kick back and relax because you're listening to The Game Plan with Dom and Brandon. Bases loaded. Two out. Coming at you with the hottest takes on the latest sports news. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Welcome back. It's Tuesday, 4 o'clock. You know it's time for the game plan. As always, I'm Don Manna, joined by my co-host, Brandon Carr. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Um, We have postseason baseball going on right now, which we're going to dive into. Uh, We got the NBA Finals that we're going to be talking about and week three of the NFL season, so you won't want to miss anything. It was an amazing week of football. Amazing week. And although we don't cover a ton of hockey unless it's Bruins on this show, Mm. quick congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning the Stanley Cup last night. They're a fantastic team, well-deserved. We want to just do a quick shout-out to them. Shout we to don't them. cover a lot of hockey on this show unless it's Bruins. It would have been a lot better if the Bruins got to host that trophy. Oh, I know. Um, but congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. They were the most dominant team. It really wasn't much of a contest down the stretch. So yep. they're well-deserved champions there. And uh, speaking of working towards a championship, baseball playoffs start today. Yep. Um, two games going on right now as we're looking at it. Minnesota Twins are up one nothing over Houston in the top of the fourth, and the Chicago White Sox are up three to nothing over the Ooh. Oakland A's in the top of the fourth. So, you're looking at those two games. And me and Brennan, I got him on the White Sox bandwagon. You We're did, hoping yep. for the seven-two upset there in that series. Uh, we overlooked some of the series last week, um, but the thing is. There was a little bit of baseball left to play, so some seeding changes happened some to change the uh, the landscape of postseason baseball. But now it is final; the postseason is here. Yep. As we just talked about, uh, Twins are up one nothing against the Astros. Mm-hmm. I think we're both hoping that Houston gets sent home in the first round. I think most Brian. baseball fans are hoping outside of Houston that they get sent home. They're down one nothing right now. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Zach Greinke on the mound. Yep. So Houston is going to be in this game. I'm a little worried because it's a three-game series instead of a seven-game series. Um, That's true, yeah. That Houston can sneak it away with their bats. But Minnesota's offense is very potent, and I'm hoping that the Twins can pull through. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I, I we don't want the Astros moving on here, um, especially after what happened with them. Uh, the Twins, I've seen a lot of people even say that they could be a good sneaky World Series team. So. Their yeah, few experts actually have them making the World Series. Yeah, so I feel like that they're going to probably end up winning this series, um, despite it even being a three-game series, if the Twins can get momentum here and just close them out after the next game. Now the White Sox, Alec Engel hit the first home run of the playoffs. Yep. And he's not even one of the studs we talk about. So <laughs> no, we never, the, the, we White, the White Sox, I think, are a very scary team. They are. And I'm very excited uh, for the Chicago White Sox here in this series. The Oakland A's lost their best player, Matt Chapman, to a hip surgery Yep. down the stretch. I think that's really the difference maker in this series. Huge if they loss. had Chapman, yep. I'd give the A's the edge in the series. But without Chapman, I think that they might have the slight pitching advantage, but it's, it's very slight. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it's, it's all White Sox the rest of the way. So I'm expecting this hot White Sox team to take two out of three easily from this Oakland team. I agree. They're going to they're gonna move on here. Um, they're just super hot right now, and I think they're just obviously a better team right now than the Athletics. Even them being a seven-seeded team, I just think they're a better team, 
And you mentioned Matt Chapman going down. Obviously, it's a huge loss considering that's their best player. So I think the White Sox are going to move on here easily, and they will either play the Astros or the Twins. So Yeah, and I, the thing that's saving me is the fact that if the Astros can come away – and upset the Twins, mm-hmm. they're not going to get past the A's or the White Sox in the second Can't see round. it. No, I can't see that happening. They wouldn't be able to beat two very good teams like that. So I'd be surprised. I am have some solitude in that. But mm-hmm. I think the advantage in these three-game series is to these teams that have these power arm strong pitchers. Yep. So the White Sox having Giolito at the top of their rotation mm-hmm. and being able to start him and kind of get like that um that cushion for that uh with the runs from that offense is really effective for him. And I just think that the uh the White Sox are my team to represent the AL uh, yep. even though they're the 7th seed. I just think they have all the makings of it. They might not be quite as elite pitching wise as the Indians and the Rays, but the White Sox have a potent lineup. They have the swagger and energy that I like to see in baseball nowadays. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I think that they're they're my pick to go forward. So I, I'm excited that they're up to a 3-0 lead early. Kind of oh, back yeah. in my, my pick a little bit as yep. they keep going. But I, I think that America, if they continue to see the White Sox going through the different levels of the playoffs, they're going to fall in love with this young team. Yeah, like I feel like the White Sox have been a team even – they've just been kind of like overshadowed by the Cubs for a while I mean even if even though the Cubs have been it took them a long time to win a World Series I feel like a lot of people you know when they talk about their favorite baseball team in Chicago it's the Cubs and the White Sox are really you know making a name for themselves here and I think like you mentioned I think they have a great chance of making it the World Series just because of how good their team is and how fun they are to watch bringing that excitement to baseball and I'm pulling for them to get there yeah they're the other team in Chicago they always have been yeah and I think that I bring up this 2005 White Sox World Series team all the time it's no one a team remembers that it. no one really talks about or remembers yeah. but they broke a very long winless World Series streak they too did, yeah. when they won that in 2005 but it was just off the cusp of the Red Sox breaking the illustrious curse mm-hmm. and then the Cubs ended up breaking their curse in 2015 so both of those got a lot more attention than the White Sox winning their first World Series but absolutely Chicago yeah. You have two really good teams in this playoff race, and I think that if you're a Chicago baseball fan, you're going to be excited either way. Oh, absolutely right. Moving on to the other games, uh, the Rays and Blue Jays will start at 5 o'clock. I think this is the most one-sided series in the whole thing. (laughs) I think that the Rays pitching staff is just disgusting. I think Glasnow and Morton and Blake Snell is just filthy stuff every single night that these young hitters for the Blue Jays just aren't going to be ready for. No chance. Um, I think this is going to be an easy 2-0 sweep here for the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, you mentioned the pitching staff. That is their strongest point of their team. And I just don't think that these Blue Jays hitters are really going to have a chance here. So I see the Rays moving on pretty convincingly. And uh, the last series tonight is at, I believe, 7 o'clock, right when this show will be over. The Indians will be taking on the Yankees. Game 1, Shane Bieber, who won the American League Pitching Triple Crown. The first time it's been done since 2006. Johan Santana, if you ever heard of him. Yeah. Great pitcher. And... We're. I think everyone in Boston is rooting for the Indians. Uh, Jared Carabas, um, great sports writer. Mm-hmm. He he's been going on all these different Indians uh, podcasts this morning, and he's all for it. He's trying to get comfy with that fan base because we're all rooting against the Yankees. Love it. I think that's just a great thing um, in baseball. Is even for um, us not being able to root for our Red Sox in this expanded postseason. 
just being able to root against the Yankees yeah. is something that I think a lot of baseball fans can kind of relate to, even outside of Boston. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. I have the Indians winning this series, mostly because I don't want to see the Yankees move on. I think that Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez, who was just named the final AL player of the month for the season, yep. I think that those two will be able to carry the offense enough Having Shane Bieber being able to probably pitch two out of these three games, if need be, I think just gives them the advantage because he's been lights out all year. And as talented as the Yankees are, as high as their payroll is, I just don't see them winning this series. No, I think I I actually agree with you here. Yeah, this is going to probably be another disappointing season here for the Yankees. I think a lot of people, obviously, before the season started, really had them in the World Series versus the Dodgers. But, you know, they've just been... They've kind of just been up and down throughout the season. They've had like their good stretches and really bad stretches. They've had injuries. They're just not. I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to overcome all of that here. And you know, if the Indians can have Shane Bieber pitch two out of the three games, the best pitcher in the AL right now, you know, that's a huge advantage here for the Indians. And if that's the case, I feel like I can. I, I would gladly accept the Indians moving on here. I mean, I've hated the Yankees my entire life. I would love to see them just get bounced in the first round and have a disappointing season. Yeah, and we talked about this off the air. If Shane Bieber's not also the American League MVP, should. I'm going to riot. And I got Brandon on this. Brandon was kind of on the Jose Abreu-esque um, bandwagon over there with the White Sox. And as much as I love the White Sox, the fact that Shane Bieber's been able to carry this team that really that, only yeah. has two bats in the lineup is just fantastic. Dude, yeah, like he's just been like hist- historically good this season, even with the shortened season. And, you know, he's kind of just like that guy who's, like you said, like he's carrying this team. Like that, in my opinion, to be the most valuable player, you have to be able to do that. And he's been able to do that at a historic level. So you, you can't argue. Yeah, especially in this shortened season, he was responsible for eight wins and he had 10 quality starts. Crazy. The fact that you're giving your team a chance to win 10 out of these limited games That's crazy. is just fantastic. It's a competitive edge that you have on the other teams. So I'm very high on Shane Bieber this season. He really had his coming out party last year, but he took it up another level he this did. year mm-hmm. uh, without Trevor Bauer and with Mike Clevenger getting traded. The Indians were kind of just able to rely on him as their ace and he has not disappointed them yet i do not think he will disappoint them in the playoffs he's pitched very well against good teams and i despite the yankees depth in their lineup i think that having um the pitcher to combat that will be able to neutralize it enough where they can get the run prevention that they need yeah i i definitely agree with you i think the the indians are probably going to be oh yeah, where the Indians are going to probably beat the Yankees here. And, yeah, just hoping for the Yankees to get knocked out. Now, moving over to the NL, the Philadelphia Phillies ended up losing their chance at making the playoffs. They have now yep. not made the playoffs yeah. in six straight seasons. And it's really bad when you're paying a guy $330 million in the Bryce outfield. Harper. You have the highest-paid catcher in the game, yep. in JT Real Muto. And you're paying Aaron Nola. You just paid Zach Wheeler a bunch of money in the offseason. And the fact that you're not able to get over the hump in an expanded playoff race it's disappointing. is very disappointing um, for Philadelphia fans. So we are sorry to you, Philly fans. You guys are going to have to wait another year to possibly make it back to the playoffs. But the Dodgers will now take on the Brewers and former MVP Christian Yelich. Mm. So I think that actually makes it a slightly more exciting series than it was going to be. Yep. Uh, I think the Brewers' bullpen is a real weapon in the fact that the uh, Dodgers are the favorites. I, I have them winning the World Series this year. Um, but I think that the Dodgers are going to have a test right off the bat. So 
having that test with the Brewers in the first round, I think it'll be good for them to um, have some competitive baseball from the stretch so they don't kind of like overlook any of their opponents uh, because that's kind of what this team is because we were all looking at it as the Dodgers and the Yankees heading into the season. The Dodgers lived up to the hype. The Yankees kind of underperformed with injuries and stuff. Mm -hmm. So the Dodgers are such favorited and they've been to the World Series multiple times in the last couple of years. So it, it's kind of their show to lose. So all the pressure's on them. So they, they having that competitive fire that I think – Christian Yelich and the Brewers will put on them early, I think will be good for them in the long run. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, the Brewers, I think, I feel like could definitely make this a competitive series, but I just think it's hard to bet against the Dodgers and just how good they've been. Um, it doesn't sound like that Mookie Betts' injury was too serious. Um, I think they like took him out for precautionary reasons to make sure that he's good for the series. So he'll be playing, and I think that's definitely the difference maker there. I will... I'm going to be taking the Dodgers here. The The Brewers, I feel like, could make this uh, – they could take maybe one game potentially and make it go into game three, but I just don't – I can't bet against the Dodgers at this point. So, Yeah, I don't think there's a single person I've seen that expects the Brewers to upset the Dodgers. Yeah, it's, no. it's no offense to the Brewers whatsoever. They have very talented players. They just happen to go up against the Dodgers. They're just going up against a powerhouse. Yeah. The fact that Clayton Kershaw is pitching like he's five years younger, they have Walker Bueller, they have a lineup with two MVPs in it, it's just insane. And the fact that they don't have an easy out in their lineup, even when the Brewers go to their strong bullpen, those guys are not going to have an easy time either against these yep. bat, these bats that the Dodgers possess. So yeah, I, I, I think it's Dodgers in a, in a route. I think that they'll probably sweep the Brewers. Okay, yeah. So I feel like they're going to take maybe one game, but I could definitely see a sweep as well. You so. definitely hopped on the Padres bandwagon a little more than me. Fernando Tatis has been unbelievable this season. Manny Machado had a very nice bounce back. But they're taking on the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And I had the Cardinals as a team that was really well put together had a lot of depth, and was just a strong team that's going to give you a good um, fight every single night. Yeah. And they were projected to play the Braves, which are as another team with some young, exciting talent, a couple very solid pitchers, very comparable to the Padres. So the same things that I have of the Cardinals still stand in this series against the Padres. I think the Padres are on upset watch. You think so? I think they are because I, I think that this Cardinals team is just very well built for the postseason. They have strong pitching. They have an elite defensive catcher mm -hmm. because base running is so important in the playoffs. People really forget that. Yeah. Dave Roberts Steele is one of the biggest moments in playoff history because True, yep. base running is just so important. You mm -hmm. can't lose outs on the base pad. You need to gain a position. You need to get runs. Yep. It's very important. So I think having Yadier Molina with that pitching staff just gives the Cardinals a very good advantage in this series. I think they have a lot more people that have been there before. Paul Goldschmidt is back to his um, elite self, and I think that the Cardinals are a team that are going to give their best every night. So it will really take sensational play from Tatis and Machado, I think, to have the Padres lift over this strong team. Yeah, um, I'm going to take the Padres um, in this series. I, I definitely see where you're coming from, and I, I agree with you, but... Um, I think it's definitely going to end up going to a game three. I think these both of these teams are both very good. They've been playing phenomenally. Um, I know that the Padres have like a lot of young guys, especially Tatis. He's in his early twenties, but they also added a lot of like veteran guys at the trade deadline to you know give them more experience there. And I think it's going to be close. I think both teams are pretty even. Um, 
considering they're like both the fourth seed and the fifth seed, so they're pretty close there in record. Um, and I feel like I don't know. I just feel like that the Padres are going to move on. I don't think they're going to go any further than that, but I feel like that this young team will end up taking at least one series. So yeah, a few people are on that Padres bandwagon with you. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of MLB Network analysts that actually had the Padres going to the World Series. I won't go that far. And uh, I think that the Cardinals might send them home early, but I think as a Padres fan, you have to be really um, just inspired from oh, what yeah. you've seen this season and very hopeful for the future. Absolutely, I just don't yeah. think that it's for this year. Yeah, you got to be um, excited for the future with the, with the team that you have and the young guys that you have there just lighting it up. So, yeah, you got to be excited for you know years yeah. down the road. So you have Padres in three. I have Cardinals in three there. Okay. Yep. Now, the Cubs have an unexpected matchup against the Marlins here. Mm-hmm. And the other team in Chicago, as we're going to call them on this show, <laughs> the Cubs, uh, they've been very good this season. Uh, yep. You Darvish has had a resurgence, and they have – quality bats that are still around from that World Series team. They've added some quality pieces, um, and I think that they have the veteran leadership needed to beat this young Marlins team. Mm -hmm. But this Marlins team has kind of surprised everyone. They have absolutely nothing to lose. They're just happy to be here, and I think that that attitude is fantastic. I don't think that it's going to be good enough to overcome this Cubs team, Um, but I do think that the um, Sixto Sanchez and this Marlins pitching staff are going to keep these games closer than it's going to look on paper. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the scores of these games will not be Cubs winning by a million, mm-hmm. but I think that the Cubs will be able to pull out these games. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Marlins, obviously nobody expected them to really be at this point. I mean, they've been one of the worst franchises in baseball for a while now. And, yeah, if you're a Marlins fan, you're going to be excited that you guys, you know, made it this far. But I think that the Cubs right now have are the better team. They've been playing better. Um, you talk about you Darvish having his resurgence. That's going to be a huge factor. Um, I know Star Marte, he got injured, but it seems like that he's going to be ready for game one. Um, and Jose Urena as well. He took a, um, a, a fastball, I'm pretty sure. It was like 103 miles an hour from, uh, I think it came off of DJ Wemayhew's bat. So he took a pretty nice shot there. But even then, I just even if they both play, I just don't feel like it's going to be enough. Um, I feel like the Cubs are probably going to win this series in two. Yeah, there's a reason that uh, Derek Jeter spent over nine hours calling all these scouts and yeah. uh, donators and everything, just congratulating them on this season with the Marlins. Absolutely, yeah. It's because they overachieved big time, yep. and they're just going to be happy to be there. I think that's a team that's dangerous because they have literally nothing to lose. They weren't expecting to be there in the that's first true. place. Yeah. Um, so I do think that the Marlins will take a game. Um, I won't even be surprised if it's game one and puts that pressure on the Cubs early, but mm-hmm. I think that going down the stretch, this Cubs team, they've been in the playoffs before. They have a lot of those members from that um, World Series roster and I think that just going down the stretch, the, it's the Cubs series to lose there. So I, I have the Cubs. Yep. Um, the Braves now have maybe a scarier team than the Cardinals. Mm. In the Reds. Our boy. Our guy Trevor Bauer. Yep. He might have snuck out the Cy Young. He really might have in the NL. He yep. came on strong. MLB wasn't giving him the press needed because Rob Manfred hates him. And looking at it, the Reds have a dangerous pitching staff. Oh, yeah. Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, they, they have some arms. And the fact that Joey Votto said that no one wants to see us. He used an expletive mm. that I'm not going to use. Yeah. But he said nobody wants to see us in the playoffs. And I don't think anyone does. I think that this team has a real chip on their shoulder. Cincinnati baseball is back. 
Reds fans have been waiting for a long time for the Reds to be competitive like this. Yep. And I think that they're ready to roll here. I ha- I think the Reds are going to kind of upset the Braves here in this series. I have the Reds winning in three. I think that the pitching advantage is for Cincinnati. Yep. And I just like the attitude that they have. They bring some fun like spunk that, to the yeah. baseball. Like as fun as Acuna is on his own. The Braves just don't have that same kind of feeling to me. They've kind of just been a team that's like kind of what we expected. They've yeah. been solid. Freddie Freeman is uh is one of the leading candidates for NL MVP. He's been fantastic. He's always been very good, but he's finally getting some recognition that he deserves. Yep. Acuna is one of the most explosive young talents in baseball. They have other bats and Ozzy Albies and stuff, but I think that looking at it, the Reds are here to upset people. Like they're they're this is the team most on upset watch I believe is the Braves because I think a lot of experts are picking the Braves to move on to the NLCS and I don't know if they're going to get it past the first round yeah the Reds are definitely like that team that could definitely cause problems for them to get to that point um talked about the pitching staff we love Trevor Bauer here um hopefully he wins the Cy Young um but yeah I feel like the Braves they're a team that's still pretty young as well. Um, they have some, like, obviously Ronald Cunha Jr. is one of the best young players in the MLB. And they have some, like, young bats as well. Um, but it, it, it could be a series where it can go to three. Um, I I want to pick the Reds. I, I would love Trevor Bauer to get there. But something's just telling me that the Braves, I feel like, are going to move on. Um, just because I feel like they have a better team, but I love the Reds' attitude. I really like, you know, just having that like that swagger and confidence that they have. Like that's something that baseball definitely needs. I, I w- I'm rooting for them, but I just feel like that the Braves are gonna probably end up winning. I don't know why. It, it's fine. I've been on the Trevor Bauer um, bandwagon for a lot longer than you. Yeah. And I think through this show, I've really gotten some of our listeners and you kind of more into it. And now that he's finally performing on the level that gains him the Mm -hmm. notoriety, it's kind of the same argument that I just made with the Marlins with no one expecting them to be there. There were some people that had them as a sleeper wildcard team, but the Reds, nobody wants to see them because they have nothing to lose. Exactly. They're, They're happy to be there. They're excited. They've been playing with a lot of energy to get into this postseason race. You gotta love to see and that. And I just think they're one of those, not not teams of destiny, but a team that's not gonna be scared to go out there any night. So, yeah, they I'm don't care. sticking with the Reds. And yeah. I think that the Braves, as talented as they are, I, I still think that Acuna has, will have to like really live up to his stock for um the Braves to come out of this series. Yeah. Like I feel like that the Reds like especially with Trevor Bauer like they're not afraid to like play like you know teams that are like can seen by people better than them and, and be the underdog. So they they definitely can end up winning the series. I I feel like it could go either way, so. Yeah, so our our final like World Series picks here. I have the Dodgers over the White Sox. Mhm. Yeah, I I have the same exact thing as you. So all right, so I've gotten Brandon officially on the White Sox bandwagon. Yep, it's kind of hard to pick anyone in the NL over the Dodgers, even as much as I love Trevor Bauer and the Reds. Um, but do you also have the Dodgers winning the World Series over the White Sox, or have you gotten swayed even more than me? Man. <sighs> I think I'm going to end up taking the Dodgers. It's just hard to bet against them. It, it really is. It really is. And until they get eliminated, uh, everyone's going to be picking them every single yeah, day. Yeah, I so mean. It, it's kind of tough. We we still love you, Mookie, here in Boston. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that 
he really puts them over the edge. He does. As, as long as that injury is nothing serious and that he's 100% out there. Even if he's 85% Mookie, that's still that's dangerous. 120% some other player. So Yeah, that's dangerous. I, th- I think that that's very scary. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back with some NBA Finals. The Heat are in. We'll be right back with the game plan with Brandon Carr and Dom on 91.5 WMLN. Welcome back to the game plan with Dom and Brandon on 91.5 WMLN. 4.30, we're back here. We just covered some MLB playoffs as it starts today with the AL wildcard three-game series. Tomorrow starts the NL wildcard series. Yep. We're going to get some basketball now here. And LeBron clinched his 10th finals appearance. Yeah, LeBron James, listen, if you don't think that he's, like, the best player, you know, that we've had in, like, the last, like, 20 years, like, he's incredible. I mean, just clinching 10 finals in your career, like, he's played in, like, the finals for maybe, I think, more than half of his career at this point, and he's done it now with three different teams. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, year 17, 10th finals, so he's been to the finals 10 out of his 17 seasons. Ridiculous. He is a reverse Brady. He yep. has a three and six record in the finals instead of a six and three record to the GOAT. Yep. I think that's part of the reason that he's not in the GOAT conversation for myself personally over Michael Jordan. But yep. talking about the mm-hmm. Lakers here, the last time they were in the finals was in two thousand ten, led by the late Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant, rest yep. in peace, and Pau Gasol in two thousand ten where they won over the Celtics. I remember that, yeah. I remember that vividly. Just, I was just upset. I'm like, come on. So they haven't been to the finals in 10 years. Yep. It takes them until they get their next Hall of Fame Laker in LeBron to yep. take over. But the real story of this Lakers team is Anthony Davis. <sighs> Anthony Davis had only won one playoff series in his entire career. I've only been to one playoff series, I believe, in his entire career. Yep. And I believe they lost to the Clippers. And he has stepped up big. He hit a buzzer beater in game two to win the game. Mm -hmm. And he's been a big X factor for them. And I think that he is the biggest X factor in this series. I think if Anthony Davis plays poorly, that's what's going to be pointed to. They're not going to point it to LeBron. Like, Skip Bayless will point it to LeBron's (laughs) legacy. But the majority of people, if Anthony Davis plays poorly, will blame it on Anthony Davis for not stepping up as a co-star, as the wing star that LeBron needs with the post presence and – um, just kind of taking the attention off him. Yeah, and Anthony Davis has, you know, he hasn't shown that he isn't afraid of the big moments yet. I mean, you mentioned the shot that he hit. He's averaging almost 30 points a game right now. I mean, he's playing phenomenally well, and he's just, him and LeBron have just been unstoppable at this point, you know, leading up to the finals. So, yeah, it's really been a two man show. Mm-hmm. Looking at some of like the inexperience on this team, Kyle Kuzma mm-hmm. and Alex Caruso the baby goat, <laughs> they both need to have some pop games offensively in this finals. It can't just be LeBron and AD. They're yeah. going to need a spark from those two guys. I think I would put my money on Caruso giving the spark over Kuzma personally, um, but I think that both of those guys are going to be relied on to add some offensive stuff, uh, while KCP and Markeith Morris will kind of be more 
used as defenders to kind of contest the shots of the shooters that the Heat have and get in the face of these wings and stuff like that um, because LeBron can't guard everybody that the Heat has. Right. But the Lakers definitely have the experience factor because not only is it LeBron's 10th finals and he's a three-time champion, Dwight Howard, this is his second finals. If you're saying Dwight Howard's been to the finals back in 2009 – Kobe and the Lakers demolished the Orlando Magic that Dwight Howard dragged to the finals. Yep. So this is Dwight Howard's second finals. He's been very good in this playoffs. He's been that guy off the bench that kind of just gives a spark, bullies people in the post, and kind of just – he's that presence off the bench that you need on a contending team. He's like their um, less – offensive, reliable Marcus Smart. Yeah, he kind of yeah. just has the attitude off the bench. He gets in the opposing team's heads, and he, he's really reinvented himself later in his career with the Lakers. And I think that he'll play a factor. Yeah, he's in the, he's going to end up playing a factor. I mean, you know, talked about him being like that veteran presence. I mean, they got they have a lot of veterans on this team that have been to the finals before. Um, I mean, JaVale McGee's been a guy who was with the Warriors was yep. in the finals. Quinn Cook was on the Warriors. Yeah, McGee and Cook. This is their second and third finals, respectively. Yep. McGee's a two-time champion. Yep. He knows how to step up in these big moments. Yep. Our boy Rajon Rondo. Yep. This is his third finals. He's been to two at the Celtics, 1-1. Yep. Danny Green, their free agent acquisition. Yep. This is his fourth finals. He's won one with the Spurs and one last year with the Toronto Raptors. Yep. Having this experience factor is huge Absolutely. in this finals, and it's why a lot of experts are going to pick the Lakers. It's going to be hard to pick against LeBron. And this experience, Frank Vogel's been a very good head coach. Absolutely. And you're looking at this team. Rondo has kind of been their third star. Yeah, he's stepped up since he's come back. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's he has been that. I mean, he's been the facilitator. Um, when LeBron's, like, been off the bench, like, he's kind of like the guy who's running the offense. And he's done very well at it. Um, he's averaging seven assists right now, nine points a game. I mean, that's all you really need from Rondo, and he's been pretty good defensively as well. So, Rondo, he's been stepping it up ever since he's come back here, and they definitely needed that type of guy on their team. So, yeah, I think having the experience factor is going to be huge for the huge. Lakers. Yep. But on the Heat side, mm. this is Pat Riley's sixth straight decade being in the finals, whether it's being a coach a player, or now the president of basketball operations. Yep. Pat Riley is basketball royalty. Yes. He knows how to assemble a team. Mm-hmm. The Heat are back for the first time since 2013-2014 to the finals. With LeBron and with the Heatles and Wade, yep. that were coached by Eric Spolstra, He's who came there. up as a film review technician That's right. for the Miami Heat. Great basketball mind, and he's reminded us this year of how great of a coach he really is. He's great. Having the pieces to win. Mm -hmm. Andre Iguodala. Yep. Six straight finals. Five straight with the Warriors, and now he's back in it with the Heat. Finals MVP, too. Finals MVP. He knows how to step up in these big moments. Yep. But other than Andre Iguodala, Jimmy Butler was the 30th overall pick in a draft. Yep. Bam Adebayo, 14th overall pick in the draft. Yep. Goran Dragic, 45th pick in the draft. Yeah. Jay Crowder, 34th pick in the draft. Brandon Clay's boy, Tyler Hero, only the 13th pick in the draft. And Duncan Robinson, undrafted free agent. D3. This is the first finals 
for all of these people. It's huge. But I got the heat in this. Mm. If you've been listening <laughs> to this show, you know that I've been on this heat bandwagon. I've been seeing that they have the formula to win, much like the White Sox have the formula to win in baseball. Yep. They have the shooting. They have the perimeter and interior defense. They have scores everywhere. Yeah. And they play tough. They're constantly hungry. They're always there to prove the doubters wrong. They just beat the best player, arguably, in the NBA. Back-to-back MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Number one seed. He was better than he was last year. They knock off the Bucks. Yep. They knock off a Celtics team. We just talked about the draft stock where all of those Heat players came from. The Celtics' core is made out of top 10 draft picks. Guys with high pedigree. And the fact that this Heat team is not scared of anyone. Yep. The narrative that Jimmy Butler is not a team player is dead. It's dead. Seeing all the videos of him wearing Tyler Harrow's jersey, yep. wearing Eric Spolstra's college jersey. You know when the Bulls last made the final, uh, last made the playoffs? 2017 with Jimmy Butler. Yep. The T-Wolves last made the playoffs in 2018 with, with Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Butler. Yep. The Sixers' best playoff run of the decade came in 2019 with Jimmy Butler. Yep. Jimmy Butler's first year with the Heat, the, the team that wanted him, he goes there to be the alpha. Yep. They bring in people that want to win and play his brand of basketball. And they're back in the finals for the first time since 2013-2014. Jimmy Butler is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. That Everything you said is correct. He... The team just plays very well together. They kind of remind me a little bit of the 03-04 Pistons who won the finals with, you know, they had they didn't have, like, a true, true superstar. Like, Jimmy Butler is right on the cusp of that, but they had, like, a lot of guys on their team that just played very well with each other. Like, they had Richard Hamilton and Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace, like, Tayshaun Prince. Like, they had all these guys who played very well with each other. They were very well head coached by Larry Brown, um, and they – they were just they played very well with each other and it kind of reminds me a little bit of the heat like they've kind of just been like this underdog team nobody like expecting them to get this far they don't have like that typical superstar player that we see all the time in the NBA but Jimmy Bower has done a phenomenal job of being kind of like that alpha on the team and they just have they have a lot of like great pieces I mean Jimmy Butler being their like top guy Goran Dragic is a very underrated point guard. Bam Adebayo has played incredible. Like he's been, he's just been incredible. Um, and then Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, like they've been shooting very well. And then they have all those other guys. Like they're definitely a team that Miami is going to be. I mean, the Lakers are going to end up having a lot of trouble with. Um, they're definitely a team they didn't want to see in the finals. But I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be picking against LeBron James because I feel like that. This is this year. I feel like they're destined to win. I feel like with the death of Kobe Bryant, I feel like that they're gonna be, you know, more motivated into winning the finals. This it just feels like that it's meant to be this year after what happened to him. And I think LeBron's on a mission. He's posted on Instagram and like Twitter, like you know, job not done yet. Like he's not really celebrating them making it to the finals. He he has these guys ready. He's gonna have you know all these other guys that you mentioned too on the Lakers. All these veteran pieces. Like he's gonna have them ready to go up against this Heat team who's very hot. It's going to be a competitive series, but I think I'm going to take the Lakers in six games. That's exactly why I have the Heat. Mm. Am I going down with this ship? Absolutely. You have to. 
I don't have to. I, I, I've got, I've proved my point. They beat the Bucks. They beat the Celtics. True. They, yeah. they, they, they have completely went against everything I said. But talking about that, the pressure on LeBron James and this team, they've all been there before. Mm-hmm. Andre Iguodala is the only guy on the other side that's been there before. Yep. All the pressure is on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. This can only hurt LeBron's legacy. It can't help it all that much because even if he wins, he only goes to four and six all time. Yep. Yes, it'll be with three different franchises. <laughs> yes, it'll have the parallels and everything after Kobe Bryant's tragic death. So it will have meaning. It yep. will it will help. But he has a lot more to lose in this series. It's true. Yeah. yeah. The Heat have nothing to lose. They're they're a fifth seed. They're coming through, and they have not a care in the world. They're just trying to play their brand of basketball. I think they have better shooting than the Lakers with Tyler Harrow, who Paul Pierce refused to call a walking bucket until he averaged 20 points in a season. And he responds, I just averaged 20 points per game in the Eastern Conference Finals. What's up? Yeah. I love that. I like I the think they have yeah. the attitude that's needed. Jimmy Butler, I like that comp you made before with the Pistons. Jimmy Butler is a better Chauncey Billups. Sure, he, yep. He's someone that is going to be a like low-end Hall of Famer but someone who just played the game the right way and can really win. And it might be crazy for me to pick the Heat against this Lakers team, but they have everything needed to win. So I'm basically banking on the fact that this defensive front from the Heat can at least hold in check an Anthony Davis or a LeBron James during this series. If they can hold one of those two players in check and play their brand of basketball, I have the Heat in seven. I think I think the Heat are going to push this series. I think they're going to push LeBron's buttons. I think they're going to get under his skin, a la the Dallas Mavericks in his first Heat final. That's true. Yeah. Eric Spolstra knows LeBron's tendencies. He's coached them. And I think that the Heat just makes so much sense here. I know nobody's going to pick against the Lakers. Maybe Dwayne, Dwayne Wade is saying he's with the Heat on this one. I don't even think he's with the Heat on this one. Yeah, he's got to be thinking like, man... But I'm yeah. looking at this from a basketball perspective. Of course, the storyline. I will not be mad if LeBron wins and all the parallels to Kobe Bryant winning his last finals in Orlando and this be- being in the bubble in Orlando. Like It would just be a great story. And I love when sports does those kind of things. But an unbiased basketball point of view, this Heat team, the perimeter defense and shooting that they have and having Bam Adebayo in the post for when LeBron drives and when they try to get the ball to Davis and McGee and Howard in the post. Barring an injury, I think the Heat are ready for upset here. I think that it's it's all on the Lakers, much like Jamal Murray said before Game 7 with the Clippers. All the pressure is on them. Yep. There's no pressure on us. There's no pressure on this Heat team because they overachieved to get there. It's true. And I think that this NBA bubble is for stories like that. Mm-hmm. It's for these underachievers, the Jamal Murrays in the Denver Nuggets. It's for Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat. It's not for the LeBron James and the Kawhi Leonards. And that's what I love about it. It's been great basketball, the entire bubble. I expect this to be a great series. A lot of people are saying Lakers in five. I think that they're going to at least push it six games. I have them pushing it seven and winning it all with the mm-hmm. Heat. And, man... I, I just think Pat Riley, Eric Spolster are going to have these boys ready to play. I think that Jimmy Butler just has really brought a different energy. He he matches Miami so well. His, yeah, his personality matches the city and environment of Miami basketball. 
and the chips on all of these players' shoulders. Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder have been doing big things since back in the day in Marquette. Yep. And the fact that they're on this biggest stage against LeBron, someone who has bashed their hopes and dreams for years. Yeah. And the fact that all the pressure's on LeBron and not on them and that they can get the revenge that they want from Jimmy Butler's time with the Bulls, Jay Crowder's time with the Celtics, him crushing their dreams. The fact that they can have this redemption story, I'm all here for it. I, I know that some of you guys listening are probably saying he's crazy for staying on this heat. But you saw, I was crazy during the NBA All-Star break when I said that they could knock off the Bucks and be the best team in the East. Yep. And they knocked off the Bucks. They knocked off our Celtics. And I just really think that this Heat team is borderline team of destiny. I think that you might say the Lakers are team of destiny with all the parallels to Kobe Bryant. But with this NBA bubble, the toughness that they have, Iggy and just what he knows about playing against LeBron James because those five straight finals, four of them were against LeBron. Yep. Iggy knows LeBron's tendencies. Eric Spolstra knows LeBron's tendencies. Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder have played against LeBron for a long time. Goran Dragic and Kendrick Nunn are two guys that will be X-factors in this because I don't know if Rondo and Alex Caruso will be able to lock them up. I think that the shooting advantage, having Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero on the court at the same time, is going to be fantastic because they're not going to be able to cover everybody. It'll just leave wide open looks under the basket for Bam Adebayo. I I just see the matchup problems with this Heat team because they play so fast. They play so vicious. And the Lakers just have a completely different brand of basketball. Yeah. Uh, listen, everything that you said, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I'm not going to argue. But I just feel like personally that both all right, both teams are going to be ready. I think that LeBron's going to get the Lakers ready. Jimmy Bowers is going to get the Heat ready. And this is going to be a very competitive series. I 100% agree. This is going to be, I think, the Lakers' toughest challenge yet. This will obviously be the Heat's toughest challenge yet. Both teams are going to be going at it. They're the Heat. I will agree with are more. They have more depth to their team than the Lakers because obviously, after Anthony Davis and LeBron James, it's kind of like a question mark of who's going to be that third guy who can step up. And they're going to need someone to step up. They're going to need Kuzma to step up. They're going to need Catavius Caldwell Pope to hit threes like how he's been doing. He's been shooting very well. They're going to need Rondo to, you know, Rondo Green and Howard and McGee, J.R. Smith even, like, Quinn Cook. Like, these guys, like, who have been in the finals, who have won the finals before, like, they're going to have to step up. I agree. But it's just – it's really hard for me to just pick against LeBron and Anthony Davis. The matchup I'm going to be watching is Anthony Davis and Bam Adebayo. I feel like that's going to be a very telling, you know, tale of how this series is going to go. Is Adebayo going to be able to at least limit Anthony Davis? We'll see. Anthony Davis has been playing very well. Um, you know, with LeBron James, it's, it's it's another thing. Like, how are you going to be able to stop him? Like, you, you stop Anthony Davis, but the other guy is going to have, you know, I guess less attention because there's more attention going to one or the other. So, obviously, you know, the Lakers are going to need someone else to step up. I think that the, the Heat definitely have the depth here. Um, over the Lakers, um, but I just feel like it, it's it's really hard for me to bet against the Lakers. I feel like that they've just been playing very well. They've knocked off some pretty good teams. I mean, they knocked off a hot Nuggets team who, like you mentioned with the Heat, you know, kind of had nothing to lose because I don't think anybody expected them to get as far as they did. No one expected them to beat the Clippers. You know, they beaten you know James Harden and Russell Westbrook like two really great players I mean who who weren't even playing that well but still like they're they're two like of the top like 12 best players in the, in, in all of basketball so they beat them um and you know they've just been playing very well together 
Um, they've been they've just looked unstoppable. The Lakers have. They've only lost, I believe, three games in this entire postseason. The Lake, the Heat as well. They've been very you know very well, very uh, playing very well. They lost one game to the Bucks and they lost two against the Celtics. Um, but I just feel like with the Lakers, I feel like that they're just. It's hard to bet against LeBron James. I feel like that he knows like hey like. He has to win the he has to win this finals, and yeah, that's the pressures is going to be on him. But I feel like with the circumstances that he has here with Kobe, I feel like that he's going to bring up his game to an extra level. I think he's telling these guys like, "Let's do it for Kobe. Let's do it for Kobe. Let's do it for Kobe," and really lighting a fire like under these guys. And I feel like these guys are going to step up. The Heat, like you said, they have nothing to lose. I understand that. Like they've been playing very well together, and I made the comp to the Detroit Pistons because that's how I feel like that they have, they've been play, how they've been playing because they've been playing very well for a team that really doesn't have that superstar player. But I'm going to take the Lakers here. I just feel like that. It's going to be hard for the, the Heat to keep up with LeBron and Anthony Davis. They have the depth the Heat do, but I feel like the LeBron and Anthony Davis, they've kind of sh- shown throughout the season that they've been able to really step it up and really like just you know take their games to another level too. Like It's been playing very well with each other, so I just feel like that we're going to be looking at a Lakers victory here in the finals. I'm going to take them in six. This is not anti-LeBron. This is not anti-Lakers. This is not anti-Kobe Bryant and the story and mm-hmm. everything lining up. I just am – I cannot get off this Heat team. I get it. I, I've, well, been, I've been on it. It just makes listen, too much sense to me from a basketball perspective. W- listen, you've You're been, talking about them being yeah. the Pistons. They're the Pistons with shooting. And shooting shooters, yeah. wins in the NBA. I think that if they get a lead on this Lakers team, you're talking about a tension between LeBron and Anthony Davis – Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, Jimmy Butler, having one or two of those guys on on LeBron James at all times, and then just having that help defender in the post that for Bam to have, they're going to be focusing on those two guys. It's going to be on the Carusos and the Kuzmas. Those guys and are going to need Dwight to step Howard up. and Devell McGee yeah. to step up. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Heat, where they have this whole core of guys that you can focus KCP and LeBron and Anthony Davis on two or three of those guys, but then they'll be able to kick it out to a shooter or kick it inside to an easy dunk for Adebayo or Kelly Olnick. And they just basically can score from everywhere. So it's true, yeah. I, I just look at it from a basketball perspective. I've been on this Heat team for a long time. I've been uh, watching them intensely saying. and saying yeah. that the Lakers have only lost three games. The the, the Heat have only lost three games as well. Yeah, they've, they've both, both, they've both been well. the two most dominant teams this postseason. So I'm just looking at it. I think that the ties for LeBron are almost as compelling as the ties with the Lakers and Kobe Bryant, just that Eric Spolter has coached him before and that – Andre Iguodala has faced him in the finals before all these times. Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder had been suffocated by him in the Eastern Conference for so long. And just the um, rise to fame for Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and just having those guys playing out of their minds They need to step up, too, in the finals. I don't, I don't think that the... Um, I don't think it's going to be too big of a stage. I think they've shown that. I think that maybe if this was a finals where they were going to the Staples Center for these games with a packed house, you can maybe make that thing that will these undrafted stars live up to the hype. I still think they would. I would still have the Heat in seven. I just think that in this neutral environment where they've both been dominating, I, I'm just picking the team that I think matches up better. And I, I, like I said, no one wants to play this Heat team. 
Yeah, nobody wants to play them. If the Clippers sure. were in the shoes, no one wanted to play them. If the Nuggets were there, no one wanted to play them. It's going to be great basketball regardless. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. excited to watch this series. I can't wait. I've never rooted for the Heat so much in my life. <laughs> it's been insane, but I, I'm really on this uh, Heat bandwagon. Uh, it's to the point where I, I just can't. I, I can't realistically see them playing poorly in this. A lot of people are saying that it could be a route in that congratulations, LeBron just won ring number four mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, That's more bullets and board material for the Heat. So I, it's, I, I, think, I think that it yeah. is just great for them. I think they've had the biggest chip on their shoulders all playoffs, and I think that other than maybe the Nuggets, which the Nuggets um, were still able to win a couple games. So yeah. I, I think that it's it's pretty crazy that uh, everything's going on here with the Heat. But yeah, looking at LeBron, mm-hmm. if he wins this finals like you project, yep. what does that do for him in the all-time list? Because to me, it's it's not – it, him getting the third team championship is the biggest bump in this whole it's equation. It's a huge bump. But is it big enough of a bump for him to really push in this GOAT conversation? Because to me, personally, he's still not above Kareem. He hasn't accomplished enough in his career for me for me to put him ahead of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar all time. A lot of people already have him above MJ or on the same table as MJ. Listen, I still feel like MJ's the GOAT. I've always said that, um, you know... LeBron, he's Michael Jordan's won six championships and hasn't lost and never went to a game seven. Like LeBron has lost six finals, so that I, that always to me is going to be a damper. Like you can't go to the finals. Well, now he's going ten times, but nine times before that and finished three and six. But if he does win the finals here and he w- goes four and six and he's done it with three different teams, that's gonna it's gonna help him. People are gonna respect him more, you know, Paul Pierce. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I feel like that they'll it'll it'll help him it'll help his legacy obviously because you know winning a championship with cleveland like they never won anything in their life then they you know he won two with miami with wade and created that little small dynasty that they had and now bringing a championship to the lakers after the passing of kobe bryant like that's going to help him a lot i don't think that's going to put him over jordan i don't I, i still feel like he has a long ways to go i think he needs to win a couple more rings here and really cements himself but I think people will respect LeBron more that he was able to win this fourth championship on his third different team under the circumstances with Kobe dying. I I feel like he'll get more respect for that. But in terms of his legacy, I just don't feel like yet it'll push him above Michael Jordan. I I personally have LeBron as number two over Kareem. It's MJ, LeBron, Kareem for me. But I still feel like he has a long ways to go to pass Michael Jordan, in my honest opinion. Yeah, a lot of people in our generation don't really understand the greatness of Kareem. Kareem's great. Yeah. Just pull up his basketball reference page um, if you get a chance. Yeah. He, he's just been unbelievable. Six championships, six rings, uh, um, six rings, six MVPs. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, college player of all time. Yep. And he's the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Uh, I believe he's top three or four in rebounds and he he was just fantastic he revolutionized the center position had the most um unstoppable shot in the sky hook mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of people just aren't really educated they just think oh lebron is so much better than a center because he can handle the ball like a guard and, and pass the ball so well but just looking at pure greatness 
you have to factor in the championships and That's the MVPs a huge and, and the individual stuff. LeBron has been fantastic, and I, I have him in my top three. I have him third right now. I think that that three-to-one finals against the Warriors put him into the top three securely and got yeah. him ahead of guys like Shaq and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and whoever yeah. else you had in that top five mix, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. But realistically, he's when he signed with L.A., one championship was not the expectation. One championship was the minimum when he signed in L.A. Yep. They were like, he's going to get a co-star, and they're going to have to win multiple championships. So, especially in a game where they're facing a five-seed Heat team that you're saying doesn't have a superstar. To me, Jimmy Butler's a borderline superstar. He's borderline. He's in the cusp. But, but just saying, like, it's a it's a series they should win. Mm-hmm. If, he, if you're saying they don't have a superstar, they're just a really good team. It's a team that... Um, it's like his old coach and stuff like that that he left to win more rings back home. Yeah. It it's only gonna hurt him if he loses. Yeah, if he loses, that's gonna be tough. I mean, three and seven is not a good look at all. Like going to ten is unquestionably great. It's great, yeah. You you mm-hmm. cannot deny the greatness of that. Giannis is still struggling to go to one. Yep. You're not guaranteed to go to one. Yep. You're not guaranteed to win one. It's hard. But a thirty percent winning percentage. Not not the best. It's not the best, no. So you're looking at that. I think that Anthony Davis is really X factor here. Yeah. Anthony Davis has to play like he's been playing. And I think this is the team that defensively plays the toughest that they faced so far. Houston had no answer for him. They have no big men. They play a lot of small ball. Yeah, no answer. Yeah. Portland had no bigs. Nope. Whatsoever. Like their bigs could not guard Anthony Davis. And Jokic is not. And a Jokic is center. not a defensive stud. Yeah. What are you gonna put bowl bowl on him? Like I, no. I don't know what I don't know what the the Nuggets were gonna do. Right. So this team has the wing defenders, then has guys like Olnick, Adebayo, and Crowder who can all d up in the post. Yeah. Crowder's historically been one of the best players at defending LeBron James. Iggy knows how to defend LeBron James. He's done it on the biggest of stages. At least held him in check and won a Finals MVP over him and done all that. Yeah. So, I I just looking at this from a basketball perspective, I have to pick the Heat here. I got it. Yeah. I got it. I've I've been on this Heat bandwagon. I know it seems like I'm just in over my head. To me, I already won my Heat prediction by them knocking the Bucks off and them going this and far. going to the finals. Yeah. Like that, I more than overcame what I said about the Heat back during the All Star break. Yep. But now I'm just looking at it objectively, and. If Anthony Davis comes through, I won't be surprised the Lakers win. I have it going seven games. I don't have the heat sweeping the Lakers. But I think that it's going to um, be a really tough series. I think it's going to be a lot of great basketball, and I think all of us are going to be happy with it regardless of the outcome. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, game one, I believe, is tomorrow night, so you make sure you want to tune into that. Yeah, there's LeBron lovers, LeBron haters, and it's going to be fun no matter what side of that you're on. Can't wait. To me, I'm not a LeBron hater. I'm just on this Heat team, and no, I think I it's just it, going to yeah. be fun basketball. Uh, but I, I, we're not going to want to miss it. Game one is tomorrow, yep. um, so – You're going to want to see that. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get into some NFL Week 3 and Week 4. Woo! We'll be right back with the game plan with Brandon Carr and Tom on 91.5 WMLN. Welcome back to the game plan with Dom and Brandon on 91.5 WMLN. Welcome back to the game plan, and now we're going to be getting into some week three NFL action, and we're going to start off on our Thursday night game that we had, the Miami Dolphins 
played against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it was the beard versus the stash, as you mentioned last week. Absolutely. More hair, more problems, man. <laughs> the beard is better than the stash, mm. and it just showed, honestly. like I, I know, Brandon, you got absorbed in Minshew mania. Minshew a lot mania. of people did. Um, Minshew was getting a lot of the people's picks and a lot of bets and stuff like that. The Jaguars are who we thought they were, man. They're they're better than most people thought, but they're really not an elite team at any level. Yeah. Missing DJ Chark was huge for them um, mm-hmm. because they weren't able to really threaten down the field with DJ Chark, so they were kind of just dumping off to James Robinson and LaVisca Chenault and stuff like that. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, I told you, is a must-win game. They cannot continue to sit Tua if Ryan Fitzpatrick can't be competitive and win games. They almost beat the Bills the week before. They almost did, right? And then they rolled over the Jaguars 31-13 to final score. Mm-hmm. Whenever you reverse the score of the other player, you're usually doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins kind of just dominated this game start to finish. Yeah, the Dolphins in this game, they just look good. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for a career high in completion percentage. He had a 90% completion percentage, and he just looked good. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I feel like that the Dolphins love playing with him. You see the energy that he had after the touchdown. His face is like eyes are like buggy. Like his eyes are wide open. Like the excitement that he brings to this team. And the Dolphins just were the better football team in this game. And. Fitzpatrick, he was better than Minshew. Minshew kind of struggled a lot this game to really get things going kind of towards the end of the game. Um, losing, having DJ Chark not there, a consistent playmaker, didn't help. Um, they had, you know, guys like James Robinson who had a great game. Uh, he was the leading receiver. So, I mean, that says a lot right there when you're running back who's not even your pass-catching running back is your leading receiver here with 83 yards. Um, you know, uh, they – could have gotten Wilviska Chanel involved more. I think a lot of people thought that he was going to be have this like breakout game. You have Tony Romo out here. I mean, not Tony Romo. Troy Aikman out here calling Wilviska Chanel Taysom Hill, which was the worst comparison I, I think I might have ever heard in my life. That made no sense to me. Yeah, it was kind of just <laughs> that he's a gadget player and he can be utilized in a lot of different ways. But he's not a quarterback. Um, but he has no quarterback ability. Um, I, I don't know if he's ever seen LaVisca Chenault throw a ball. But uh, LaVisca Chenault's had some shoulder injuries yeah, in the bad. past, so I'm sure it wouldn't look too pretty. Yeah. Um, but honestly, he is one of those gadget players that is fun to watch, though. And He I made an awesome catch in this game. It was I think he was he caught like a pass over the middle with like two guys like pretty much sandwiched on him and he like caught it and somehow like was able to escape and like pick up some more yards like he's a he's a talented type of player and he's fun to watch and obviously I'm going to be excited to see how he develops but you know them just not having DJ Chark that consistent playmaker really you know didn't help um Fitzpatrick kind of like had his full array of weapons uh Devontae Parker had a pretty solid game Preston Williams caught a touchdown Gasecki only had one catch but he caught a touchdown like they they were playing pretty well for Fitzpatrick um Miles Gaskin even looked like like a competent running back he made some pretty good runs and throughout the game as well and then you have Jordan Howard out here you know is the prototypical now goal line back with his stat line on the season being 16 carries 12 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns he's on pace for 16 rushing touchdowns this averaging year. a whopping 0.8 yards per carry so hey, when you get goal line carries there's not many yards for you to get uh, on nothing, that carry nope. so he's getting all those yards and that's all that matters yep. but looking at it the Dolphins and Jags are kind of just full of a bunch of players that are matchup um, worthy flexes. So if, yeah. they have a, if they have a juicy matchup, you can flex a uh, LaVisca Chenault or you can start a Mike Kosicki. Um, you can start 
Um, Devontae Parker, I think, in Absolutely. a lot of matchups. Cause mm-hmm. I think he'll, his target share will be there. These quarterbacks, Fitzpatrick and Minshew, they're streamers only. They're not guys that you're going to start every yeah. week. I think a lot of people were streaming both of them. I streamed um, Fitzpatrick in a couple leagues, actually, and he did very well did for very me. Well. Uh, I started Minshew in our radio league, and he didn't do too well for me, so that no. kind of stuff does happen. It happens, man. Um, but I think that both these teams, I think their fans have some stuff to cheer for, but I think both fan bases are pretty realistic with how the season's going to go. Yeah. But I think that both mm-hmm. of these teams are fully behind their quarterbacks, and that's good to see. I like that, yeah. The I've, big takeaway, mm-hmm. though, is James Robinson. Like you said before, he was the leading receiver for the Jaguars. He gets almost all the rushing attempts. You can start him every week He's now, an I every think. week start. He's the number yeah. three running back in fantasy football right now. That's crazy. James Robinson, the guy. I mean, I when, when I call my shot on him like before the season. You just said season, he was going to be the guy that, that starts. You didn't say it. he I was going to get 100% of the touches. I would have never good. I would have never thought in a million years that this is what he was going to end up doing. I just thought that like he had like a good chance of being their starter. I didn't think he was actually going to like do a lot with it. But he's proven a lot of people wrong. He... He looked good. He had a couple of good runs. He had I remember one play in the game where he like caught like a check down pass and he like um he like trucked over a guy and made like another guy miss and he picked up the first down. Um so he's been pretty pretty well, doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, I know a lot of uh dynasty owners have James Robinson. And um I think James Robinson's someone that you have a sell window. I think that you don't have to sell him right away. There's a lot of running back injuries right now uh, with uh, teams losing McCaffrey's and Barkley's and uh, possibly some other guys because of uh, injuries, the 49ers running backs. So if you're running back needy right now, you don't have to move James Robinson, but James Robinson, he's an undrafted free agent. Chances of him having more than a one- or two-year run are very slim. So if you can get something in your dynasty leagues or use him plus something – to upgrade at the running back position, I think you should probably do that. In terms of redraft, I'm just riding him because you got I, him for nothing in redraft. I started him in one of my leagues, and I had a feeling that you know going up against the Dolphins' defense has not been very good against the run, that he's going to have like a good game, but he smashed expectations. Um, you can start him every week in redraft now. I think he's a guy that's just worth starting because of the All workload. Formats, you can start him. Yeah, it's just in dynasty. I think you have to. I think you have to look to sell. Yeah, maybe and, not right away. Mm-hmm. Wait until you get good value. But you're gonna get good value if he continues to get this usage. Yeah, because, like you said, he's an undrafted free agent. We, that's you know, that's really bad. I mean, being like an undrafted free agent for your, like your future, it's hard to like keep that job when you have that to your name. But obviously, we're rooting for him. Um, in dynasty, I feel like there's a lot of people on Twitter right now who are really hyping him up. You can probably get like. I've seen like people you know offer out like first round picks for next year's draft. Like you could definitely do that if a league mate is pretty high on him. You can yeah. I'd like try. I like packaging him with another player to upgrade at the running back. You position. could do that too. Absolutely. Yep. Using him maybe in a trade to get um like a Nick Chubb or a Joe Mixon or someone that is yeah is someone that might be a little bit um antsy for the dynasty owner. I know I know Chubb's had two good games in a row. But Mixon, but you can definitely buy low right yeah, now. Trying to like buy low on some players and using um, James Robinson as a piece, I think, is pretty valuable. Yep. I, I think that we probably talked a little bit too much Dolphins Jaguars for uh, most of the listeners, but it was it was a good game. It was nice to see Fitzpatrick ball out. Yep. Moving off to the one o'clock slate, mm-hmm. the Forty ers ended up winning against the Giants with their backups, thirty six to nine. And when your team's backups dominate another team's starters, I know they didn't have Saquon. I know they didn't have Sterling Shepard. But when you don't even put up 
double-digit points and you give up 36, it's really tough to have expectations of a Giants fan right now. I yeah. think that the 49ers not having Jimmy Garoppolo under center, not having George Kittle, losing Jordan Reed during the game, no Debo Samuel, no Moster, no Coleman, no Bosa, no Solomon Thomas, Dre Greenlaw was inactive, and they still put up 36 points. And do that. It doesn't matter if the Giants are bad. The 49ers are still a legitimate team. Yeah, they are. I mean, they, you know, all these guys that you mentioned that were injured, like, they showed that they like we're still a legitimate team here. Nick Mullins, I mean, he's been a guy who has been in the Kyle Shanahan system for years now. Like he, he's a competent backup quarterback, and if you know Jimmy G would ever go down, like he can, he I don't think he's as good as Jimmy G, but obviously he can step up if need be. I mean, he showed that, and it was just nice to see you know some of these 49ers players you know play very well. Brandon Ayuk, he made I think this was his debut game, and he had a jet sweep where he ran for like a 19-yard touchdown. He looked good, showing that he fits in this Kyle Shanahan offense where they run a lot of jet sweeps and like a lot of like trick plays with the wide receiver and really just try to get the ball in their hands and make plays. And he had like a, a few catches for 70 yards. He played pretty well. Um, Jarek McKinnon, he's been a guy who's been gone for two years with an ACL injury, and he he played pretty well. He actually left the game with a rib injury. So Jeff can't Wilson. Stay healthy. Yeah, he can't stay healthy. So Jeff Wilson – is going to be a guy I am prioritizing this week for waivers. You got to get Jeff Wilson. And Jeff Wilson, when he played in the game, he played pretty well. His rushing numbers weren't there really. He had a rushing touchdown, but he he carried the ball twelve times and only had fifteen yards. But receiving the ball, he had fifty-four yards and he had a receiving touchdown. So Jeff Wilson, it's kind of just him and Jamichael Hasty at this point, who was an undrafted rookie free agent. Really, the only healthy guys on this 49ers backfield. So. You got to prioritize getting Jeff Wilson. If Jamichael Hasty is out there in a dynasty league, like in our dynasty league, I picked him up because I was like, well, there's running back injuries with the 49ers, so might as well just kind of stash him and see what happens. But Jeff Wilson's the guy I would prioritize right now. He's on the top of the waiver wire claim for me, especially with Jarek McKinnon's injury history. We don't know how severe this is going to be, the rib injury, but. We know with his injury history that he's just not been able to stay on the field. And Jordan Reed, another guy, he went down. And we know with Jordan Reed's injury, he's going to be out for six to eight weeks with the MCL sprain. So hopefully George Kittle ends up coming back through this next game. Yeah, Kittle was going to play this week. Mm -hmm. They just held him out because him out it was the Giants yeah. and scares on the MetLife turf yep. from the past couple weeks that lost Saquon sure. and a few other players. Yeah. So I, I am very confident that Kittle will play this week. He's an every-week play. I think that in terms of the running backs, Jeff Wilson's the guy that I prioritize. I think Hasty and Dynasty is a fair stash. Um, a lot of people already own him in some deeper formats, but Jamichael Hasty is more of a scat back. He's kind of comparable to Jarek McKinnon, and the thing with McKinnon is, although he has a rib injury, that's more of a um, pain tolerance thing, and I think that McKinnon is going to do everything in his power to be on the field, especially yeah, when he has the chance now to actually have a role, as opposed to when Moster comes back in a week or two, they will not be as um, giddy to give McKinnon this much work. He touched <clears throat> the ball quite a bit. He yeah. wasn't super efficient. He got in the end zone. Yep. But I think whoever's the lead back for this 49ers offense is going to be They're a gonna produce. solid flex. Yeah. So I think that Jeff Wilson is someone that you should prioritize. Yeah. Uh, for the Giants... I would kind of just stay away, dude. It's as rough much as possible. It's rough. Um, this we said at the beginning of the season that Daniel Jones is going to get off to a rough start. Yeah, that really this, bad schedule. Really bad schedule start. It does lighten up, 
But as a Giants fan, it's hard oh, to kind of like see so much because he looked very good week one against yeah. a tough Steelers defense. Good. Mm-hmm. But these past two weeks have been abysmal. Abysmal. And I, I think that Daniel Jones is really missing that safety blanket behind him in Saquon. Evan Ingram has not stepped up. Sterling Shepard's been out. Golden Tate's missed a game. Yeah. So he he's kind of never getting to have his full-fledged weapons together. For I don't think he's ever had game. those guys together all yeah, once it, before. Yeah, so it, it's been really tough for him. And it doesn't help when, you know, t- he's the leading rusher of the team and Devontae Freeman's out here getting 10 yards and Wayne Gallman yeah, 7. Yeah, Devontae so. Freeman was signed right off the street. I wasn't expecting anything yeah, from him this week. It doesn't help. It's kind of tough for the Giants. I, it doesn't get much easier either for a couple weeks, but I, I don't think this is the Giants team that you'll see all season, but they're definitely uh, a team that is not going to be super competitive when they're in matchups like this against an actual. Daniel Jones will team. get better because what we, we, we mentioned of the schedule, he's going to burst more wider, softer teams where he's going to have like those games where like oh there's Darren Jones from last year. So it's just tough when you have to play like the 49ers and the Steelers and the Bears. It doesn't help. So now, some of you watched the ending of the Bengals Eagles game. Mm. The first tie this season, second tie between the Bengals and Eagles all time. And uh, did you have any doubt? Oh, no, the game plan's rock bottom moment of the week. A tie. And, you know, the Eagles had a chance here to win this game. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's not the fact that it ended in a tie, it's how it ended in how a tie. The fact that. The Eagles were going to kick a field goal. Yep. An offsides penalty happened, and they decided to punt and play for the tie. When you're an 0-2 team. Instead of just going for the win against a team they shouldn't have been in overtime with to begin with. No, they shouldn't have. I picked the Bengals to win this game, and honestly, with the way that this game ended, the Bengals did win. It might, yeah. They might not have won on the scoreboard, but they won in concept because they played hard the whole game. Joe Burrow was getting obliterated, making throw after throw. He's legit. He's legit, man. And I think this Bengals offense will just continue to get better as he does. Yep. Uh, the offensive line is always going to be a problem. But Carson Wentz looked real ugly. He did enough at the, towards the end of the game. Yeah, one good to, drive to there force to tie. overtime and everything. Mm-hmm. But he's someone that that offensive line scares me. Mm. The way he's playing scares me. The lack good. of weapons scares me. He lost Dallas Goddard and Deshaun Jackson in this game. He's yep. already without Ray Gore and Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. Greg Ward, a former quarterback, practice squad receivers, their leading receiver. He's someone that you might want to pick up in fantasy because there's literally no one Fuck else to throw him, yeah. to. But you're looking at it. The, the Eagles are just abysmal in the fact that they didn't get a loss for this game, even though the way they played it, that that should just be a loss. Pat McAfee always wants um, the the overtime period to end with a kicking shootout. So if, yeah. if the overtime period ends, that the teams just go back and forth, leg for leg, just until one person misses a field goal. Yeah, but I think that would be better because ties stink. But the ties. Way, this was an ugly tie. <laughs> yeah, it really was. The Eagles just played abysmally. Yeah, the, the it's rough for the Eagles. Um, I feel like eventually, if this keeps up, I, it's just hard to not put Jalen Hurts in here. Like Carson Wentz is, you know, you can come up with the excuses. You know, the offensive line's not healthy, the wide receivers are not healthy. Yeah, makes sense. But you know, Carson Wentz, we talked about last season. Like he was like the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for four thousand passing yards and not have a receiver that went over five hundred yards. So. He showed last year that he was able to like overcome it, but this year he's just not. And you know, 
they have a quarterback who they drafted in the second round. Like they could have taken a wide receiver to help Carson Wentz, but they didn't. They took a quarterback because they might not feel you know comfortable with Carson Wentz long term. And if it keeps up, you know, Eagles fans are gonna be probably being like, hey, like we have this kid named Jalen Hurts who had a who we picked in the second round who was a pretty successful college quarterback. You know, to come in here. But it's just rough all around for the Eagles. They, like you said, they lost Dallas Guard. Deshaun Jackson's injured, and they just really don't have much to work with besides Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. I mean, it was bad enough today, like where they had to sign Hakeem Butler and convert him to a tight end off like the Bengal. I mean, off the Panthers practice squad. Like they just need all the help they can get at this point. Um, for the Bengal side, Joe Burrow is legit. He just looks he he looks awesome, and you know him being sacked eight times. I mean. It's tough when your offensive line's not playing as well as they have been, but Joe Burrow has just looked great, and he was hitting Tyler Boyd like all day yesterday. I mean, he had 10 catches for 125 yards. The rookie T. Higgins, he stepped in there and scored a couple times. So, you know, obviously they want you want to see more from Joe Mixon. You know, he has been off to a really bad start, unfortunately, um, this season. But, you know, the bright spot for the Bengals is Joe Burrow, and you could just tell, like, this kid, he's – the swagger confidence he plays with he plays with great poise he's he's makes the right decisions he you know he's throwing the ball a ton but he's he's playing very very well um but yeah for the for the eagle side of it it's just rough i mean to to punt the ball when you're in a situation where you're owing to and you need a victory you know like with your division right now being as wide open as it is you don't play for a tie you need to play for a win and that was just bad bad decision by Doug Peterson and it's not even that's not even like their bread and butter their team in the Super Bowl Doug Peterson was the head coach when they called the Philly special like a play that you know they confidently called that they went for it on fourth down in their own territory so they're accustomed to taking yeah. chances but in the game like this I it just it just it just didn't make any sense to punt the ball. When you're 0-2, you need a win. He, he's been an aggressive coach. Yep. And to play that soft at the end of the game. Doesn't make just, sense. It's just a shame to see. And if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm very worried. Yeah, this I'm divi- worried. This division is – no team has capitalized. It's still wide open. Wide open. But I wouldn't feel, com- I wouldn't feel confident that my team's going to be the one that wins it. Yeah. And uh, they're looking pretty bad. As the resident Jalen Hurts fan here, I, I love Jalen Hurts, and he got his first snap he of did. his career, and mm-hmm. he actually got a first down he on an eight-yard scamper. But I don't want to see Jalen Hurts yeah, it, in, in this situation. Yeah. I, I want – they're not going to give up on Carson Wentz super easily. They said it after the game stuff too. I'm okay if Jalen Hurts gets playing time towards the end of the season or if Carson Wentz goes down, but I don't want to just force him into a bad you situation. You can't right it's, now. It's hard no. to do that and expect him to succeed. You can't do that right now, at least. I mean, it's just it's really hard. You know, it's just hard for the Eagles right now to succeed with just all the injuries they have and just the poor quarterback play from Wentz. I mean, it just doesn't help. They're just in a situation right now where it, there's not a lot of bright spots, so just have to hope that they can turn it around if you're an Eagles fan. But right now it just looks bleak. But yeah, we spent plenty of time butchering the Eagles' decision. You would rather lose the game than force a tie. Yep. So we're not going to get into the Falcons' collapse too much. <laughs> the Falcons. Oh man, lost yet again, yep. thirty to twenty-six. And I know I picked the Falcons in this game, but yeah. that was with the idea that Mitch Trubisky was the Bears' quarterback. But in the halftime, he's um, back. Matt Nagy had a a gut feeling for some reason. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's called intelligence mm. that uh, 
I should put Nick Foles in this game, and he yeah, did. did and Nick Foles delivered. It delivered. was not pretty. Nick Foles looked a little rusty, but he yep. threw three touchdowns, and the Bears came back and won. Yep. The Falcons have just been abysmal. I'm not going to spend too much time crushing them because we crushed them last week yeah, after giving up rough. one of the biggest um, leads in NFL history. Yep. They this is the second straight week in a row that they gave up a 15 plus point lead in the fourth quarter. Absolutely abysmal, Doesn't especially because Dan yeah. Quinn's a defensive-minded coach. So for this to happen is just awful. A defensive-minded coach should be able to play with a lead. Yep, it's just so, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Sense. But the Bears, Bears fans got to feel good. Three and zero. Your team made the yeah. switch earlier than thought to go to Nick Foles, who gives you a better chance to win every week. Yep. Allen Robinson immediately responds by playing better. He played great. I, other than losing Tariq Cohen, like there's there's nothing bad about the Bears. Like the Bears are feeling really good. I think after yeah. week three, yeah, they should be feeling pretty good. I mean, you kind of just saw the offense just start like clicking a lot more with Foles in there, um, and you know you saw Allen Robinson, like you said, have a great game. You saw a little bit of a resurgence from Jimmy Graham, who caught a couple touchdowns from Foles. They just they just with Foles in there, I feel like they're just a better team. Um, no disrespect to Mitch Trubisky, but I feel like Nick Foles is a, a, like a step ahead it's of him. It's a little disrespect to Mr. Trubisky, which is fine. But okay. he's, he's deserved it. Yeah. When you get picked ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and you play the way that he plays, yep. you're going to get criticized. And it, that's, just, that's just what it is. Yeah, I just haven't seen enough of him. But, yeah, for the for the Falcons, I'm, I'm not going to get too much into it, but this is the second, second week in a row where they've blown a double-digit lead. And it just – if you're a Falcons fan, I feel really bad. I mean – to have this happen to you two times in a row, twice, it, it, it just doesn't feel good. And, you know, really the, the only bright spot of the team really has been Calvin Ridley throughout this entire like process. He's been great. But other than that, I mean, you're gonna wonder when Dan Quinn is gonna get fired because you can't you can't do this twice in a row. Like that just is unacceptable in my opinion, where you should right now be two and one. So yeah, they they get a long week to uh, prepare for the three and Green Bay Packers on Monday night. Oh, football. good luck. So that'll be fun for yep. them. Um, but, yeah, I feel bad. They didn't have Julio Jones. Russell Gage exited with an injury. Hayden Hurst was used more as a blocker than a pass catcher in this game. Yeah, it doesn't so make sense. The, the Falcons were struggling for sure. Um, the running game actually looked pretty good for them. Gurley, for once, yeah, he looks pretty well. Gurley and Brian Hill and Brian both Hill. had some nice runs. But they're, they're going to have to throw the ball a lot um, with the way that they play. And yeah, you just can't I, expect it, that. It's just tough them. for the Falcons. I think that they're uh, up – possible um like dumpster fire that they're gonna sell off some pieces and stuff and they might have to do what they have to do but the yeah. rebuild is definitely coming and i it's think coming. that the firing of dan quinn is going to be the start of that rebuild whether that's next week or the week after it's pretty much inevitable at this point. it's inevitable i mean you can't you can't do that twice in a row so now going on to some brighter news mm. the patriots yep 36 to 20 over the las vegas raiders and it was not looking good early. I yeah. picked the Raiders in this game because of game script, and I thought the way that this game would go. But the Raiders, for whatever reason, had the game in their lap and just dropped it. Yeah, They could have just continually ran Josh Jacobs all over us. They could have. And they just weren't. They were trying to get Derek Carr too involved after the nice game against the Saints on Monday Night Football. Yep. And... Darren Waller was surprisingly held in check for the majority of the I was very game. surprised, yeah. Bill Belichick was able to eliminate Darren Waller. So when you're not running the football, when everybody can run on the New England Patriots defense, Miles Gaskin included, yep. it, it's just they kind of threw the game away, and then the Raiders are not built to come back. So yeah. once the Patriots took a substantial lead, it was pretty much over for the Raiders because they're a 
run the football, tight game, play with a lead kind of franchise. So just seeing them not give the ball to Jacobs enough early really irked me, especially because Cam was playing poorly to start. Yeah. And it kind of just took Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle to like turn it on for the Patriots to win this game. But it was definitely a win that the Patriots needed after yep. um, a loss to the Seahawks. So they needed that, yeah. It was nice to see um, the running back step up. The team's definitely playing for James White, um, which we yeah, love to see. Like he's playing great. with a purpose and yep. playing well coached and everything like that. It, it, it was, I think, it was more so the Raiders losing than the Patriots winning. But it was, it was still a good effort by the Patriots. Yeah, it was a good effort for the Patriots. I mean, you know. Like you said, they kind of started off slow. Uh, Cam had an interception, and he just didn't look great. But what looked great was the running game. I mean, Sony Michelle, I've been known to criticize him too for not being as good, but he had a couple great runs this game. So again, I got to give him credit there. But Rex Burkhead, he had a a monster game. I mean, he had three touchdowns total. He had 49 yards on the ground, he had 49 yards from the air, and seven catches. I mean, he's going to be a guy that people are going to be picking up off the waiver wire, but I don't know Overreac- how much overreaction Tuesday. Yeah, I I you know the Patriots backfield I stay away from because you kind of just don't know. But I I wouldn't put too much of my fab into him. But you know it was just nice to see like Michelle have looked pretty good. Burkhead looked pretty good. Even JJ Taylor looked solid. Um, they we were really able to like JJ Taylor. This is the second time you brought him up on the show. He's, <laughs> not, he's kind of a non-factor. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying he looked he looked okay. I mean, he had 43 yards. But you know, for the Raiders, it just it didn't make sense to me. We have seen the Patriots struggle against good running backs, and we saw it last year with Nick Chubb, obviously Derrick Henry. You know, they the teams are able to run against the Patriots. I mean, our linebacking core right now is real is bad. I mean, it's Jawan Bentley and like nobody else. We don't have Hightower, so running yeah. the front no the f- Hightower, no Van Noy, yeah, no, no Landon Noy. Roberts, no Jamie, Jamie Collins, Collins, no Danny Shelton. It, we lost Malcolm Brown in the offseason, so. You lose all these players from your front seven. You were already bad at defending the run. You got to run the ball. Teams against should Patriots. be exploiting that, and I think that Seattle didn't have to show that because they were able to air raid all over they the were, place. Yeah. But uh-huh. it, I think that's an obvious way to beat them. And I thought Gruden, with the way that he'd been coaching so far, was ready for that challenge and ready to do what he had to do, especially because his return to Foxborough since the Tuck Rule game. Mm. So I really, right. I really had a feeling about the Raiders in this game, but they just didn't um, step up to the challenge and let the game script come to them. They were trying to make too many things happen. Um, yeah. So it, Belichick's gonna Belichick, man, and I'm, I mean, we're all here for it. Yeah, I'm happy for the Patriots win, but to beat the Patriots, you got to run the ball. And next week they go up against Kansas City with Clyde Edwards-Helaire, so you're gonna have to watch out and see what he does. Yeah. So moving on to another game. So the Browns crushed. The Washington football team, thirty-four to yeah. twenty. Washington was actually in this game at one point, but yeah, they were in the game for a little bit. But Dwayne Haskins just couldn't keep up with Baker Mayfield in this one. Yeah, and the Washington football team, they they have a, a great front seven. Yep, Terry McLaurin to me is an elite wide receiver in the making. Yep. But they don't have a ton else. I, I I think that they're not expected to win these type of games. I think that the Browns kind of just did what they had to do in it. And I think the Browns easily could have lost this game. Could have. The, the running game was just there for um, Cleveland as Chase Young exited with a groin yeah, injury true. earlier yep. in the game. So it it loosened up the defensive front a little bit. Yep. And Nick Chubb kind of just carried them. And I think that's what the Browns need to do. I don't think the Browns are going to win too many games on the back of Baker. I think it's going to be a lot it on this running It has to be game. on the running game, yeah. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, in my opinion, is the best running back duo in the NFL. It just showed... 
in this game. Like in last week when they first the Bengals, they were just able to run the football. And this is what this team needs to do to win games. Chubb had 108 yards. He had two touchdowns on the ground. I mean, Kareem Hunt, he had a couple good runs. He ran for 46 yards. He had a nice catch too, the one-hander where Baker was kind of like backpedaling and threw it up to him. And that's how they need to win. They need to be able to run the ball. And when the Browns were able to run the ball and kind of like – you know, set up play action for Baker Mayfield, he can be successful. Baker Mayfield had a throw in this game that I saw. It was to, I think he was just under pressure and he just threw it up to Odell and Odell basically had to play defense. I mean, that's not how, you know, that's not what the Browns want Baker Mayfield to be doing. They can't have him, you know, be making those type of mistakes. And he's been continuously doing that throughout his career. And I think the first time the Browns are over 500 in six years, it's really big for them. I think that if they want to remain over 500 for the majority of the season and possibly into the postseason, it's going to be on the back of these running backs. I think that's what Kevin Stefanski wants to do. Yep. Um, but against a um, lesser team like Washington, I think that they kind of just need to play to their strengths and not yeah. try to get too cute with Baker. Washington, uh, Dwayne Haskins did not look good at all. Um, he had three interceptions where one was just a bad throw and then two were just poor reads. Um, I don't know how long he's going to last. Um, I know we were talking about this through – we were texting each other about this. Like, I don't, we don't think that Dwayne Haskins is going to last very long here. Um, it's just if he continues his play here. And they got Alex Smith, who's kind of like, you know, waiting under the wings here, you know, to itching to get, to get some action. And, you know, with the division just being as open as it is, like they're tied right now for with the Cowboys for the lead. Like, if Haskins continues to struggle, I mean, they're going to put Alex Smith in there and hope yeah. that they can win the I, division. I think the, the GM and Ron Rivera have – almost no loyalty to Dwayne Haskins. They weren't the ones that drafted him. They weren't, nope. So I'm not as much on freakout watch as a lot of people yet. I think that uh, Alex Smith hasn't been cleared for full contact yet. Yeah. Um, So he's kind of just been playing seven-on-seven in practice. So I think that they'll give him time to get ready. I don't think that they're in a rush to put Kyle Allen in. No. Because uh, Kyle Allen, it, if he's better than Dwayne Haskins, is by the slimmest of margins. That's not good <laughs> for so, Dwayne Haskins. I, I don't think that they're in a rush to put Kyle Allen in the game, but I do yeah. think you're going to have to look at Alex Smith watch in a couple weeks. You're going to have to. You're going to have to monitor how he practices. And I think that Alex Smith could somehow come in and um, possibly make a run at this division because yeah, he's Alex such Smith a great comeback it. story. It yeah. seems like he wants to play football. He's had a great attitude at practice. He made the 53-man roster, missed the pup. So that's really positive. And he's a very good quarterback. So I think that this yeah. is what this team might need. Having that front seven, they're starting to run the ball with Antonio Gibson. They have a true number one wide receiver. Yep. So I, I would say if uh, there's a couple more weeks of ugly Haskins to be on Alex Smith watch and see how he comes back. But other than that, Washington's going to be kind of a non-factor most weeks. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, hey, listen, hoping Dwayne Haskins can turn around. But if Alex Smith gets in there from the story that he's had coming back from this severe injury to his leg like in playing very well I mean that would be awesome to see so we'll see what happens there but uh another game here that we're going to get into now is this is the game that you were talking about that, and if you watched it yeah you did not regret it I was telling you that this is too good to be a one o'clock game and man it was a thriller to the very end you already know what could be the final play of the season Kidman looking downfield. He has Sanders. It is caught. Touchdown. Boston has won the championship. It's the Game Plan's Joe Kingman moment of the week. 
Josh Allen in the final seconds. He doesn't have any touch, no accuracy. Darts the ball to Tyler Croft with seconds remaining. Touchdown. Bills win 35-32. And if Russell Wilson wasn't a thing, Josh Allen would be by far the front runner for MVP. He is absolutely killing it. The man has thrown 10 touchdowns and one interception. And that interception, rip on that interception changed the it. game. So... It was, again, throwing up to Tyler Croft. And yep. Tyler Croft pushed off. So it was slightly. It was offensive pass interference. Yep. But Tyler Croft secured the pass. And as he's going to the ground with the ball, the Ram safety, Josh Johnson, grabs a hold of the ball with him to make it possible joint possession as they both hit the ground. And it is called an interception. Doesn't make despite sense. Tyler Croft having possession, yes, it was pa- offensive pass interference, so that penalty should have been enforced. But to rule that a uh, rule that an interception and ruin Josh Allen's perfect season so far throwing the football, it just made me so mad, and it shifted the momentum. The Rams went right down the field. Robert Woods scored a big touchdown, yep. and the Rams were really in it. The Rams were kind of slowly fighting back through the running game with Darrell Henderson, who went over 100 yards, looked really good, and Aaron Donald being a force on the defensive side of the ball. He's different. But the Bills had a substantial lead. They were had a 28-3 Falcons lead, and they almost blew it because mm-hmm. of that interception call. If that call was proper by the officials. Josh Allen could have marched the ball down the field and put the game away. Yep. But that gave the Rams the uh, opening that they needed to come back. So everyone who's getting upset about that pass interference that Gabriel Davis got called on in the end zone that set up the game winner, one, that was a more proper call than the interception I on think the field. so too. And two, it, even if it, you have a problem with it, if you don't have a problem with that interception call that changed the game earlier, those two offset, much That's like the Rams gonna, yeah. game earlier yep. this season against the Cowboys, where they totally it. missed a face mask on Jared Goff earlier in the game, but then they gave a questionable pass interference at the end to Michael Gallup. So yep. I think that the Rams got their comeuppance. I think Josh Allen is legit. Four touchdowns through the air, one on the ground, and he just looks like a totally different player. The fact that he's completing near 70% of his passes. He's rushing efficiently. He's one of the best goal line running backs in all of football. And he's throwing the ball like an elite quarterback. A lot of people were saying the same things about Lamar Jackson last year when he was doing things against cake matchups. This was not a cake matchup. The Rams are going to be a double-digit playoff win team. They're going to be very good all season. Sean McVay is a great coach. Aaron Donald was literally tossing people. Josh Allen literally had men in his face that he was shaking off to make throws. Yeah. But he did it, and he made all the plays necessary. Put up 35 on a really tough defense. Dak did not do that. I think that Josh Allen's legit, and he's going to be in the MVP race as long as he keeps playing on this level. Yeah, Josh. Oh my God, Josh Allen. We were. I mean, we were talking about it. You know, when we were before the season on the show, like he's a guy that I I, I like Josh Allen as well. I think he's a great. He's going to end up being a great quarterback, and he's proven a lot of people wrong. Um, you know. I worried a little bit about his accuracy down the field, but I mean, he's he's improved mightily, and he's just proven it. I mean, he's thrown 300 passing yards in all of his games, and I don't even think he had a single 300-yard passing game. His, in career, his career high was 266 yards coming to the season. He's been over 300 in every single every game. single game. To me, he hasn't thrown an interception, and he's the first quarterback um, ever to throw for 10 touchdowns and rush for two in this team's first three games. Yep. We haven't seen yards. this before. Yeah, we've never he seen this before. He has over 1,000 passing yards. 
He has over a thousand career rushing yards. He's a dual threat quarterback. He's big. He can shake off defenders, he's run through defenders, and he's got a cannon arm. He's making throws that no one believed he could make. He's, he's threading them. the needle to Stefan Diggs all over the field. Yep. John Brown leaves. He's peppering Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, Tyler Croft in the backup tight ends with no Dawson Knox. It doesn't matter who's out there for him. He makes the throws, and if you put Incredible. it in the right place, it's going to be unbelievable. And everyone's kind of just go- looking back to these fumbles and everything like that. Josh Allen at the end of the game was saying how I can't be given the ball up because he had that fumble. He had that interception called, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Yeah. And he, sa- he ha- said all the right things after the game. He's really been humbled. He's trying to win games and play football the right way. He's trying to earn some respect. He's trying to earn that elusive second quarterback contract that a lot of these first round busts don't get. Yeah. And some people were pointing at Josh Allen possibly being a first round bust. He was my number one quarterback in the class. Mm. Because I believe that he had the wheels, he had the size, he had the arm. Everything needed to be built into an NFL quarterback. There's very few Andrew Lux and Trevor Lawrence's that are can't-miss prospects that have all the tools needed. Yeah. And are just pro-ready. Josh Allen might have not been pro-ready at first. But with Doug McDermott and coaching and just building and surrounding him by weapons each year, he has gotten better, and he's putting the league on notice now. It wasn't just the Jets and the Dolphins now. He did this against Sean McVay and the Rams. He did this with Aaron Donald in his face every other play. Yeah. And I just love to see it. Congrats on the Joe Kingman moment of the week. You deserve it. Whenever you throw a last-second touchdown to win the game against a good team, that's more than deserving of the Joe Kingman. It's more than deserving. I mean, Josh Allen is just – he's an animal – his last 14 games, I saw a tweet, and he has 33 touchdowns and three interceptions in his last 14 games. I mean, two interceptions. Or, yeah, yeah, two. two <laughs> we, we ain't going to count that one on this We won't show. count it. We won't count it. Yeah. So, yeah, Josh Allen's just been incredible. And his growth from just, you know, year to year at this point, I mean, the sky's the limit if he just can keep this up. I mean, it's incredible to watch. The addition of Stephon Diggs was a huge addition, just that, you know, another weapon for the, him in the offense. And he was, he's incredible. Yeah, it's awesome to watch. I, I'm glad that everyone's finally starting to understand what us Josh Allen fans have been yeah. seeing because this is what we could potentially see. He's facing the Raiders next week. I'm sorry. John man. Gruden compared him to John Elway. No, it's not a it's honestly with, not with a bad the call. Size, speed, strength, ability it. to run the football. Yeah. And I am not gonna go that far yet. It's only been three games this season, but he has the tools to be great. Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah. And that's what's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And and the fact that coaches are starting to notice it, fans are starting to notice it. Everyone knew he was good in fantasy football and that he would be good against some of these matchups early, but you didn't think he was going to throw 300 yards and be this efficient through the passing game. Nope. He's really had the touch needed to be fantastic, and he's having a cam newton-esque like season where he can th- run and throw the ball like crazy no matter who's out there 70 percent of his passes fantastic. are completed like he was been a guy i'm pretty sure he like started his career with like below 60 and then he got to the 60 point now right now he's throwing 70 percent completion percentage i mean it's just yeah, the if growth he, if he keeps it up over 65 percent the bills are going to be serious we it's the bills division to lose and i think they've proved that uh but if josh allen keeps playing this way they could possibly challenge the Baltimore's and Kansas City. They could, you never know. Yeah. The Bills right now are just playing incredible, and it's just on the back of Josh Allen. So Another team that could possibly challenge the Ravens and the Chiefs. The Pittsburgh Steelers look good, man. 28-21 to over the Texans. Watson could not overcome his defense. His, no. off, his offensive line and his defense are doing him no favors. Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are good, but not great. Mm-hmm. And it was all Steelers all the way. James Conner, 149 total yards yeah, and a he's, touchdown. he's back. 
Juju Smith-Schuster looked good. Ben Roethlisberger hit Eric Ebron. You forgot that he was almost there for a yeah, second. Got a touchdown. Deontay Johnson left with a concussion, but mm. Chase Claypool and James Washington are fine uh, replacements in the meantime. Yeah. And the Steelers just look good, man. I, I had them going 11-5 and this season, and you thought that was a little much. I, I don't think that's much, man. I, I really see this defense and this running game, this offensive line, and Big Ben being back just really puts them over the top for me. Yeah, I mean – I was I was worried about Big Ben coming back and just see how he like looks, but he's proven me wrong. He looks great still. Um, he definitely still has a lot left in the tank here, and you know now this team's healthy. And last season I think they went eight and eight or nine and seven with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges at quarterback. But now you got Big Ben back. You got James Conner who's healthy, playing very well. Um, Juju Smith Schuster's again another touchdown in this game, playing very well. Um, it's it's unfortunate that Deontay, Deontay Johnson went out, but you know James Washington and Chase Claypool are going to be guys like you said who can step in and fill in the shoes, um, and the, obviously it's the defense too. Like the defense is incredible. They had a few sacks in this game. T.J. Watt had a sack and Bud Dupree. Yeah. It I was mean, Watson's best game of the year so far. Yeah, and they still held him to only twenty one points. Yeah, and you know, and Deshaun Watson's a top five talent yeah, quarterback. In the absolutely, league. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah, Watson. I mean, Watson played pretty well. He had one interception that was bad, but you know, when he's running around as much as he did with this this Pittsburgh Steelers front seven, I mean, it's tough. And he he made it a competitive game, but I think you know the Steelers are were obviously the better team headed into this game, and they proved that the defense again, like I said, played well. They were able to run the ball. Big Ben played well. It, it was just a lot to overcome for Deshaun Watson's sake, and it just doesn't help when they're running game with David Johnson, who we said sell after week one. I hope you listen to us because, again, he's just not doing anything. 23 rushing yards. Speaking of sell, you have another option. If you didn't sell Will Fuller, you sell thought him right it was now. legit. You can sell him now. I would recommend Do doing it. so because he's not going to consistently produce for you. Do it. I mean, anytime the Will Fuller has a good game, you have to sell him like immediately. <laughs> like try getting something good because it, it, you know he had the big game against Kansas City, and then then the, the next week after when they versed the Ravens, he had zero catches because he had a hamstring injury. So you, whenever Will Fuller has a game like that, you just have to sell him and try to get something for him. So you could definitely sell him. Randall Cobb looks pretty good as well. He's kind of establishing the connection there with Watson. But, I mean, other than that, it's the the Texans 0-3. It didn't help that they had this really rough start to their season. I feel like most teams that play Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh off the bat aren't going to do very well. Yeah, but it just doesn't – there's just not a lot to look forward to here with the Texans. Um, obviously, Deshaun Watson, he's going to keep balling, but it's, it's, it's kind of bleak from there. Yeah, it stinks because Deshaun Watson's a winner, but this team isn't – Gonna consistently not helping win them games. Out. That's why I had them going eight and eight, and yeah. I didn't even feel that good about that. But yeah. speaking about the pride of the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans mm. won thirty-one to thirty over the Vikings. A game that was a lot closer than um, I thought, with it being my lock of the week. But yeah, they the Tennessee Titans pulled through and completed my lock. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry and Steven Gostowski carried. Derrick Henry was controlling the game. Gostowski, who everyone said was washed after week one, hit six field goals, three over 50, including the game winner from 53 yards Yeah, Steven Gostowski looked great. He looked great, and I think that the the Titans are just a scary team, because when you don't have your number one receiver in A.J. Brown, and you can hang 31 points on any team, that's very scary. Derrick Henry finally found the end zone this week for everyone that was worried about him. He's going to be fine. He's a high-end RB1 every single week. The real thing for um, the Vikings was that 
Cook finally looked like Cook, so that was great. Cook looks great. But they finally have a weapon opposite of Adam Thielen and Justin, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson. I'll let you take that away. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was watching the highlights of this game, and I saw him. Like, Justin Jefferson had a 175-yard performance. I'm like, I got to see this. And he looked great. Um, just the way he, like, his movements as he, like, runs routes, he just looks smooth, and he's fast out there. He's making plays. He caught the – um the 71-yard touchdown pass, and, like, he, like, did his, like, little, like, LSU dance that he did, like, every time he scored a touchdown in college. Like, he just looked great, and we were worried about him headed into the season because of the training camp with Olabisi Johnson playing ahead of him, but Olabisi Johnson, like, barely played in this game, and it was Jefferson's role on the outside, and he looked great. And, you know, it's a little bit worrisome for me from Adam Thielen's side because this is a couple games now where he kind of hasn't really done too much. Um, I wouldn't be worried. He, he's it's a getting worried a good target share, yeah. and he's by far their main option yeah. in the red zone. It's a little worrisome. But so he's someone that I'm confident in starting. If the owner of Adam yeah. Thielen is worried, I would buy because yeah. I think that Kirk Cousins has played his worst football already mm-hmm. against the Colts. So I think that Kirk Cousins will go back to being a middling QB2 and that yep. he'll be able to support Thielen and Jefferson most weeks. He probably so could. Yeah. Jefferson's someone that he's going to be a popular waiver wire pickup. Um, I him. wouldn't go crazy on the Fab, but he's someone that he's going to be the second option in that passing game. He's going to be flex worthy most yeah, weeks. He's going to be flex worthy. And the Titans side of the ball, you mentioned no AJ Brown, but Ryan Tannehill is still through for 300 passing yards. Derrick Henry looked great. He found the end zone a couple times. And, you know, the Titans are a scary team, like you said. Like, you're not having a guy like A.J. Brown who in his rookie season had 1,000 yards receiving and him not being out there and it's Corey Davis and John Smith who we both like, but Corey Davis being like your wide receiver one and you're still having a 300-yard game and, you know, playing pretty well and rallying as as they did there when they were down by double digits in the third quarter. The Titans are going to be a scary team moving forward. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's legit. He's worth the money that they gave him and – the Titans are going to be a team, like I said, that they're going to you're going to be afraid to play. Yeah, they were not a fluke last year, no. and I think that they're proven that. Ryan Tannehill has earned his contract more than so. Mike Vrabel's a great head coach, and Derrick Henry's a monster. Absolutely. So the Titans are going to be a tough out every single week. Mm-hmm. A t- game that we're not going to touch on much at all because it was kind of just two rebuilding teams. Panthers beat the Chargers 21-16, to and Austin Eckler – Proved to everyone that was hyping up Josh Kelly that Austin Eckler is the RB1 in this backfield. Yeah. I think that with Herbert under center, he looks good. Eckler and Keenan Allen get a bump from when Tyrod Taylor was starting for fantasy. Keenan Allen had, Keenan Allen had 19, 19 targets. targets. That's absurd. Keenan Allen, he's, I feel like, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Nobody really ever talks about him and being in like this elite discussion, but he just can, he's done it for like the past three years. I mean, he's been really, really good, and he's still proven, like, hey, like, even with this rookie at quarterback who's feeding me, I can still produce. He had 132 yards, 13 catches, and a touchdown. Keenan Allen, I mean, he's he's still good. And Austin Eckler, I thought it would have been a pretty big game here for Joshua Kelly. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't. But Austin Eckler, he was phenomenal. I mean, they were he, Justin Herbert was feeding him the ball throughout the air. He had 11 catches. Um, and, yeah, like there's, there's definitely some fantasy pieces that you can have on the Chargers. Um, even, like, Hunter Henry, he's been, like, low-key, like, kind of, like, been solid enough, like – he hasn't had like a blow up game, but he's been like good enough where you can yeah, start. He, he's him. a startable tight end. Yeah. But I think just from fan bases from the Chargers and Panthers, just to like kind of close on this game quick. Yeah. 
both fans should have hope in the like the coaching staffs and the players that have been brought in. Yeah, I think that Herbert is looking like a solid quarterback. Um, and with these weapons, he's going to continue to develop chemistry as he works with the first team and yep. gets games under his belt. Um, Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers have looked very good even without Christian McCaffrey. They were still able to hang 21 yep. on a tough Chargers defense. Yep. So I think that both these teams will probably not be competing this year, but both fan bases should be hopeful with these teams going forward into the future. Yeah, I mean, th- I think they could be definitely optimistic moving forward. Um, Justin Herbert looks great, and then for the Panthers, they have a young head coach, and they're a team who had, had a lot of pieces. To their the, They had a lot of rookies to their defense, so they're looking – Hopefully that they can develop. So just looking moving forward for like the next couple of seasons, I think you could be excited for them. Now, a team that you can't find much excitement for. Oh boy, the Jets. I'm I'm not even gonna like uh, are they say like- New York because I think New York is gonna give them to New Jersey officially because they play in New Jersey anyway. I think New York is gonna. Are they like an XFL team? Like I don't even. Know, I don't. Man. I think the Battle Hawks would beat the Jets. Honestly, <laughs> they might. Man. But. The Colts destroyed them. Destroyed Darnold them. was seeing ghosts again. A couple picks. He was sixes. throwing it to the other team. Yeah. And the Colts had the ball for forty minutes or whatever. Like they 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 barely they like barely had the ball. I forgot yeah. what their time of possession. They was. They had was thirty like, minutes and yeah. the Jets had twenty nine. So yeah. it was like so, pretty close. So they they were like equal time of possession. Yep. But the Colts didn't need to like run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. He only got I think fourteen carries or something on the day. Thirteen, yep. Um, so he he was not getting fed like I thought he was going to game script wise because they didn't need to. They, they were getting pick to. sixes and they were just doing everything they wanted to do. Um, yeah. Not gonna say anything about the Jets side because Adam Gase's days are numbered. I'm waiting and for And I think it. it's good for everyone. For all you Chris Herndon fans like me, for people that were fans of Denzel Mims in the draft, for people that still believe Sam Darnold is good because he does flash some nice plays every now and then. Oh, yeah, he does, yeah. But mm-hmm. the Jets are just a, they're a complete trash. They're bottom Dumps five in the NFL. And they're going to be considering drafting a quarterback with their first-round pick this year. Yeah, I mean, they're a team that could definitely draft Trevor Lawrence if they end up with the first pick. I mean, there's just nothing to talk about with the Jets. I yeah. mean, it's rough. I mean, Braxton Berrios is your number one wide receiver. So Frank Gore is your starting running back. Frank Gore is your starting running back. I, I think with the Colts, about. though, Jonathan Taylor, he's he still put up 12 points for you but despite barely getting the ball. Yeah, the touchdown. He's going to be an RB1 every week. He's going to get the usage. Phillip Rivers, he looked okay. But yep. he got his 400th career passing touchdown, so golf clap to you, Philip. Yep, um, shout out to Philip Rivers. And he threw it to Mo Ali cox the oh, new whew. hotness. He Mo looks Alley like cox. he runs in slow motion. Yeah. And he still gets open. It's insane. But he's he. it's not like he can hide. He's 6'8", huge, 290 <laughs> pounds. He can't hide. He can't run fast, yet he still gets open and makes defenses look silly. And it's just so fun to watch him. So if he didn't get picked up, after his huge game in um, week two, I would definitely pick him up. He's a he's a tight end worth streaming, especially with Paris Campbell out for the year. Jack Doyle still rehabbing from his injury. Michael Pittman exited this game with an injury. And he's going to so get surgery, So it's pretty much too. just T.Y. Hilton and Mo Alley-Cox. So he has a safe target share. Yeah. Phillip Rivers loves his tight ends anyway. So I think Mo Alley-Cox is going to be an every week start you right can, now yeah. with Phillip Rivers. Um, and it's, it's just funny to just watch him because he makes these big plays where he's just running. And he his strides are the only reason 
reason he gets anywhere because his speed is not there. He has wan arms too. Like I'm, he has like some of like the I think like the longest arms for a tight end in the NFL. He's just yeah, a long. Philip Rivers likes former basketball players turn tight ends. Antonio, Antonio Gates, Gates and him had one of the greatest connections in the history yeah. of football. And now he's got Moali Cox, who's just a bigger Antonio Gates that's a little less athletic. Yeah. So it, it's pretty fun to watch. I think that he's someone that's interesting. Uh, I think that uh, Ty Hilton is going to get a slight bump um, with Pittman exiting with an injury. Um, yeah. But the Colts are going to want to run the ball and play defense like this every week. That's going to be their goal. They're not going to want Phillip Rivers to throw 30, 40 times. Nope. And Phillip Rivers only throwing 21 times. That's exactly probably ideal of what they want every yeah. week. So, Moving on, the Lions, who I picked over the Cardinals. You did. 26-23 with a last-second field goal. Because I said this before the year that Kyler had a chance to be this year's Baker. Mm-hmm. The additions in the offense, year two after a rookie of the year, great season, and the expectations are there. Kyler's going to put up a lot of highlights. He shaked Jeff Okuda out of his yeah, shoes. That was that insane for a quarterback insane. to do that. Yeah. But the interceptions, the turnovers is what worries me. Yeah. And that's the same thing with Baker Mayfield last season. So if Kyler said it after the game, he can't turn the ball over like that because if they didn't turn the ball over, they would have won this game. They, yeah, they had this game if they didn't do that. But the Lions, they had Kenny Galladay back. Adrian Peterson gets all the carries. Not, not second-round pick on Johnson. Not second-round pick DeAndre Swift. Swift to barely play it, too. That Adrian Peterson to looked like he hasn't aged. He was great out there. So I think yeah. that the Lions are I, – I had them going 9-7, and seven, and it looked really bad at the beginning of the year because they weren't finishing games. They had leads in the first two games, and they lost. Yep. They could be 3-0 and oh right now, realistically. Good, yeah. But I think that the Lions are going to be a tough out going forward. I think that Matt Patricia has gotten that defense to be serviceable. I think Okuda is finally showing us why he was that elite quarterback. Oh, he made a prospect. nice interception in the game too, yeah. Yeah, and I think the offense is really going to come together with Galladay back. So I'm excited to see the Galladay, Jones, Hawkinson, Cephas, Peterson, Swift offense around yeah. Stafford. And I think that they're going to be a tough out for a lot of teams. I think that they're um, well coached. I think Matt Patricia has been on the hot seat, I feel like, since he got hired. But I think he's the type of coach where – He's gonna get them prepared to play every game, mm-hmm. and it just depends on execution and health. Yep, and yeah, I mean the Lions—they needed this victory here against like a hot team like the Cardinals. They needed to come out and you know get a win here, and and that's what they did. Matthew Stafford played pretty well. It was nice to see Kenny Galladay just get out there and have—he had caught a touchdown. Um, and it was just nice to see that the Lions were able to execute very well. TJ Hawkinson was running more routes this week. He was in the game more, and he was doing his thing. And Adrian Peterson, like you mentioned, I mean, he's just looked like that he has not aged at all. From he, the Cardinals side, I, I want to talk DeAndre about the Hopkins caught ten passes in the loss. DeAndre Hopkins, how many catches is going to have this season? I mean, is he? Ha- it's been double digit like catches like every single season for this guy. I mean. DeAndre Hopkins, it's he has not missed a beat at all. He's out here just, you know, getting these double digit touch um double digit reception games, these double digit target games, and he's just producing. Um it's gonna be if he could keep this up, I mean, it's gonna be pretty historic if Hopkins could do that. But, you know, to talk about some other guys on this Cardinals team, like Andy Isabella, like he filled in for Christian Kirk and he caught a couple touchdowns. So maybe next year when Fitzgerald, if he retires, he can have a role in this team. But defensively, I know you love Andy Isabella, man, but he UMass, was only he was only out there for about thirty percent of snaps. He made the most of it. Um, he was used around the red zone, which was nice to see. But yeah, I want to talk about something though for the Cardinals defense. Chandler Jones is 
where has he been? Because he's only, I think he's only had like one sack through his first three games, and he went the NFL in sacks last year. He needs to like pick it up because that's not. It, it's crazy. It's crazy that you say that because one sack in three games for most players is pretty. It's pretty. It's decent. okay, but like you would so, like, like to see him. Like, it's just crazy because we expect so much out of Chandler yeah, Jones uh, here, but I think that Chandler Jones and that defense are gonna be middle of the road at best. So yeah. I'm not I'm not too expected from the defense. Kyler Murray is kind of just going to have to play better for this Cardinals yeah, team like to have they, wins. Yeah. Um, I think that they're going to have a lot of games like this where they're in it and they lose late. I think they're going to have some games where they're not really in it and they're playing catch-up. So I, I think that the Cardinals got off to a hot 2-0 start, and it was nice to see. Um, they beat a couple teams that they probably should have. And, um, and I think that you're looking at it, the, the Cardinals – I don't think that I think they're a year or two away. I don't think that this is their year. I think the yeah. Cardinals, I don't think it's this uh, year. I think the Cardinals are gonna have some highlights. I think Kyler, if it was any other season where we didn't have Josh Allen going off and Aaron Rodgers going off and um, Russell Wilson cooking completely, I, I think that Kyler Murray would be more of an MVP candidate talk. I think a lot of people expected him to be, um, and I think he'll put up the rushing and passing numbers to be considered, but. Kyler's not going to get the wins, I don't think, to be put really in that case. No, and the and the division's just very good too. I think oh, yeah, it's I, I the best like, division in football, and they're the worst team in it. Yeah, so it doesn't really help Kyler's MVP chances at all, and they they have some time to go. So, yeah. So moving on to a less exciting game, the Bucks rolled the Denver Broncos. Oh man, twenty-eight to ten, and there's really not much to talk about because the Bucks defense is legit. Oh yeah, they're playing yeah, great. Of course, they've looked good against the Panthers and the um, the Denver Broncos. So that's not saying too much. But the Bucks defense does look legit. Denver's just buried by injuries. They're going to be starting Brett Ripon <laughs> on Thursday night football. Undrafted rookie quarterback. Because they benched Jeff Driscoll, everyone's favorite backup quarterback, yeah. this week when he looked really bad. The Buccaneers. Everything is going to come together for them. There's, their their offense is starting really slow, but their defense is carrying them. Yep. And that was actually something that Colin Coward predicted before the season, that the defense was going to carry them the first half of the season yeah. as the offense kind of comes along. And I think it's slowly happening. Yep. Chris Godwin hurt again. Not good to see. Hamstring. Could be Scotty Miller time again. Yeah. We'll see. I'm not going we'll to bank on it as much this time, even though he had a really good game this week. Yep. Um, but Mike Evans, third person in history, two catches, two yards, two times. What a stat line. He's fantastic. Mike, This is how Mike Evans should be used, though. If if you get down to the goal line, Throw why not give it to fade. the six five monster? Throw up a fade. This to is him. his Gronk this year, so I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Evans um, ends the year with twelve plus touchdowns. Because he he's the type of guy where they're going to be able to throw it to him when they're in close. Yep. And Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones aren't doing anything to um, earn those goal line looks all yeah. the time. So I think that that's kind of like the thing that's been nice is to see the Evans and Brady connection slowly get better as Evans is still battling through that hamstring. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Buccaneers are just kind of like a slow starter. They're going to try to run the ball and play good defense as much as they can um, early. I think they'll take some deep shots at Scotty Miller and use their tight ends and Mike Evans over the middle of the field. Scotty Miller had a great catch in this game too. He looked really good. Yeah. And honestly – he would have been a smash play the week before if he didn't drop that touchdown early. But once he yeah. dropped that touchdown, he wasn't really a factor much of the rest of the game. Yep. But he's someone that they dial up plays for. He's a playmaker. He, can make he plays. fits Brady's mold of like a gritty playmaker that he has four three speed. He's fantastic. Yep. I think that Scotty Miller will have more good weeks than bad weeks, but it's going to be a little unpredictable. Yeah. 
and with, especially with Godwin too, like just having this hamstring. I mean, Scotty Miller, if Godwin were to, is going to miss time, he's going to be asked to step up. So yeah, he'll be a flex consideration um, in fantasy if you need. He him. will. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a fun game. Seahawks Cowboys, thirty-eight thirty-one. Russ Lockett and DK. If you have any of them or a stack of them in fantasy, you're living really good. I got Russell Wilson and Tyra Lockett in a week, so I they were absolutely on fire. I mean. Russell Wilson right now is the lead dog in the MVP conversation. They're letting Russ cook, finally. Look what happened Seattle when you let this guy cook. He's going off. Another five touchdowns. Yep. The most touchdowns in the first three games in NFL history with 14. Yep. It would have been 15 if DK Metcalf oh, didn't man. have a Leon Lett moment Leon and stick Lett. the ball out with my boy Trevon Diggs, who I like, Stefan Diggs' little brother, yep. knocking the ball out nicely right in front of the goal line. Yep. But this team's scary. Uh, the the oh, only thing to say with the Cowboys, because the Cowboys um, are kind of just failing to take advantage of this weak division and win some of these games. Yeah. Um, that was just like really Bush League on that tackle by Chris Carson. Uh, Troy oh, Hill, the yeah. defensive lineman, that was rolled bad. and held his leg and sprained Chris Carson's knee. Yeah. Um, so we don't like to see that. But no. this game was like really fun to watch. It, it came down to the wire. Dak threw an interception at the end. Um, but I think that you're going to want to start all the pass catchers in both of these offenses every oh, single week. You have to. Even Cedric Wilson, like a guy who's like the fourth receiver on the depth chart. Yeah, had I a peeped couple you good picked plays. him up in our dynasty league. I was like, mine as well. I need all the help I can get. I realized he was 25 years old, so I decided to uh, put him as my second claim in the league. So mm-hmm. I didn't end up getting him. But I think that just the fact that you have a guy with like four or five, I think he's ran a four or five. Something so like, like that. Pre- pretty fast He's guy fast, as, yeah. Four or five is fast. Receiver, yeah. um, mm-hmm. It's pretty good, but – Dalton Schultz is going to be a low-end tight end consideration um, a lot of the time. he got He's going to get like five, six targets a week minimum. And we C- talked about – C. Lamb and Amari Cooper yep. have both been f- consistent. And Michael Gallup has – That's what I was going to say. We, we were talking about like Michael Gallup, like buy low on Michael Gallup because he had these two like like not productive games. And look what happened. Six for 138 and one. So hopefully you had him. I tried buying low in our Dynasty League and uh, – Jason Pombo would not uh would not let him up. <laughs> nope. But I tried. Uh, Michael Gallup. He's not going to be consistent because there's so many mouths to feed. But you want the mouse in that offense. You because want them. the one that goes off is going to help you win a week. Yep. You want them. You Going want- on to Sunday Night Football. Yep. No Adams or Michael Thomas. Yep. No problem. Sixty-seven combined points. Packers thirty-seven. Saints thirty. Yep. And Aaron Rodgers looks fantastic. I know he said on the Pat McAfee show that he's done some things personally this offseason to get in a better headspace and to enjoy life more. That's and good. he sure likes looks like it. He's slinging all over the yard. He looks Alan amazing. Lazard had like 150 yards receiving. Like it was just he didn't care who was out there. Robert Tanyan was involved, Robert the athletic Tanyan. tight end who I like a lot. Um Marquez Valdez Scantling was a factor. Aaron Jones out of the backfield, Jamal Williams out of the backfield. They just have weapons around him. I know that they were kind of um not looked at great because they didn't add anyone through the draft, but they have weapons. Aaron Rodgers it knows how to put the ball right on them. They have some talented guys. They're, they're doing what they have to do, and yeah. I think this Packers seems scary. They're really seeming to click in the second year under Matt LaFleur, and the Saints, who really needed this game, ended up not being able to come up with it um, because Drew Brees was constantly just dumping the ball down to Alvin Kamara. The gap between Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees right now is pretty large, in my opinion. Aaron Rodgers, the throws that he was making, just it looked like Aaron Rodgers of old. But Drew Brees, 
I don't know what it is, but he just is allergic to throwing the ball down the field and taking deep shots, and it's just really limiting this offense. And just all it is is checkdowns to Alvin Kamara. I mean, Alvin Kamara caught help. 13 passes. Yeah, including in um, my fantasy matchup in our dynasty league, I was facing Alvin Kamara and. Aaron Jones. Yep. And Aaron Jones didn't do too much. He got that fourth and one touchdown, which I was a little mad about that they gave it to him on fourth and one because yep. they had finally stopped him. Yep. But Alvin Kamara gets a swing pass oh, at the forty-eight yard line, and the Packers just forget how to tackle. Everyone's praising this play from Alvin Kamara as like the new beast mode run and this that the other thing. If you watch the play, Alvin Kamara is slippery. He really is. He is. Yeah. But only one of the five potential tackles on that play was him like actually slipping. There was just guys not wrapping up, not breaking down and it was, tackling. Oh it was just God. bad coaching. You would never see that from a Belichick defense. You would never see that from a defense that wasn't just tired from chasing around Alvin Kamara and all these short routes and stuff. Because when you run an offense where you're constantly doing short routes, you're sprinting out of the gate to get open on those short routes. So the defense was clearly tired at that point. They, they tightened up later in the game to close it out. But that play... Kudos to Alvin Kamara for getting in the end zone, but that was like a 13-point fantasy play. I'm sure that play alone swung a lot of fantasy matchups, yeah. uh, and it was just crazy. Alvin Kamara is a freak. I think with Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley out, he's the front runner to be the RB1 in fantasy, yeah. especially if he's going to get 10-plus tar- targets I mean, a game yeah. from Drew Brees that doesn't want to throw the ball downfield. It's kind of yeah. reminding me of Aaron Jones last year when Devontae Adams was out. Aaron Jones mm. would get a significant bump in the passing game, and he'd have these monster weeks. Yeah. So I think that Alvin Kamara is kind of seeing that treatment right now, and he's just a must-start in fantasy. He's uh, great. I saw a tweet saying that uh, Alvin Kamara only had six rushing attempts. It must be a good buy low because <laughs> all, all of his damage was done through the air. Yeah. Booking like a wide his, receiver one out Yeah. Here. Without his rushing, he would be the wide receiver four in fantasy behind the two Seahawks receivers. It's like – it's insane. It's so. it's insane. Yeah, Alvin Kamara is just the beast, and that play it was just it was bad tackling. But I mean, you still can't take any away from Alvin Kamara there. I mean, I'll take a smidge away. I'm not going to put bit, it on yeah. beast mode level. No, run. I want to go I've that seen far. Freak out about it on Twitter. That's overreaction, but he's incredible. You know, and the Saints they are in trouble right now. Wanting to. Yeah, I think the Saints have a get right game next week, uh, but they really could have used this game a lot more than the Packers did. The they Packers are slowly. Uh, Slowly running away with their division, I think, because yeah. the Lions didn't start off great, and the Vikings are zero and three. So, is Nick Foles in the, in the Bears really going to no. challenge this Aaron Rodgers Packers team? Probably, Probably not. not no. So, I think the Packers are securing themselves. I think I was a little low having them at nine wins, um, but I, I'm they look great. I wasn't expecting Aaron Rodgers to look ten years younger after yeah, last year. I was expecting him to be good, but not great. Yeah, but he's me been too. great. Uh, he if Josh Allen and Russell Wilson were having historic years, he maybe be the front runner for MVP. So yeah. Aaron Rodgers is kudos to you, man. Another win for you guys has been great. Uh seeing him on the Pat McAfee show every Tuesday before you come here to listen to us yep. is probably pretty fun. So He's awesome, man. I'd recommend it a lot. Yep. And then looking at the Monday night football game, we all watched it last night. Patrick Mahomes is just so great. Patrick Mahomes said, Hey, you know, you guys are talking about Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, all these guys, but you must have forgotten about me because he that was a statement victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes, five total touchdowns, four through the air, one on the ground, three hundred eighty-five passing yards through the air. He was just he was incredible, and it was a statement victory for the Chiefs. In that same fantasy matchup that I was against Alvin Kamara, I thought I had lost basically from that one play. Yeah. And I had Patrick Mahomes left on Monday night. I was down 
44 points in fantasy football. And yeah. I know I have Patrick Mahomes. I know how crazy he can go. But to expect 44-plus points is very hard to do from anybody. It's hard, yeah. So the fact that he put up 48 and I got the dub to say undefeated in our Dynasty League was so fantastic. It destroyed Rob um, in our league because he had the lead going in. Um, But it was just so much fun to watch. Mahomes was cooking against a very good Ravens defense. They were getting pressured. He was moving around in the pocket, flipping his hips. There was one play. It was just a simple little out route to Michael Hardman. And they were just saying, that's backyard football. You can't defend against that. So it's kind of insane to see Patrick Mahomes being this great. He's the fastest ever to 10,000 career passing yards, passing Kurt Warner. And it just shows how great that this young kid is. Ever since he stepped on the football field, he's just continued to break records and make it look so easy, too. Like, he's just so talented making all these defenders look silly. He's putting the ball on the money to these fast receivers that have hands. Usually the knock on fast receivers is they have bad hands. These fast receivers yeah. are hauling in everything. He's throwing touchdowns to his number one overall pick left tackle, Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher. That's the first touchdown scored by a number one overall pick since some guy named Keyshawn, Keyshawn Johnson. Johnson. So it's pretty crazy to see that. Eric Fisher's catching a touchdown pass. And Lamar, it just a career-low 97 yards when you can't even get over the century mark in the passing game. It it usually isn't good for you. He's 21-1 and in his career against other teams, Yep. but 0-3 against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They, he even said it himself after the pregame. They're his kryptonite. Kryptonite. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not worried about Lamar. I feel like that, you know, a bad game like that, I think he's going to bounce back. And, you know, I wouldn't even say it was all his fault. Um, Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews had, I think, a total of like five or six drops total. Mark Andrews dropped a touchdown and – you know, they, they just weren't clicking tonight on that game. I'm uh, a little worried long term. You think so? Not in the short term because the Los Angeles Chargers showed everybody the week prior how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's keeping their offense off the field, Yep. pressuring Patrick Mahomes, and running the ball effectively. Yep. The Ravens weren't able to do any of that in this game, and their bread and butter is supposed to be playing good defense and running the football. They couldn't, yeah. So the fact that they weren't able to do that, it's a – a big thing to Kansas City. Kansas City is looking impeccable, but it's a bad thing for the Ravens because against Josh Allen, who's lighting it up, yep. against Patrick Mahomes, who just lit them up like that, even against a Ben Roethlisberger in a tough divisional matchup with that defense, are they going to be able to shoot out with these other quarterbacks? Is is Lamar Jackson and these yeah. weapons going to be able to do that? Because if they can't play their type of football like we saw against the Titans in the playoff game last year, they just aren't good at playing from behind. Yeah, they're not a team that's good from playing from behind. They're a team that's good from playing out front because they're able to run the ball and do all those things and keep the other teams opposing offense off the field. And, yeah, long term it could be a problem if they're not going to be able to keep up with these other offenses. Like you mentioned that the Kansas City Chiefs and all these other teams who seem to have their offenses right now are clicking better than the Ravens. So, it's long term. It might be an issue, but I'm not worried about Lamar long term here. I think you know, it, it, one bad game, you can't judge a guy off of that. You know, well, I mean, they get to play the Washington football team. That's next a, and week. that's a bounce. So that's going to be a slaughter fest. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I'm just worried about when they face these like these elite offenses and teams. If those teams get out in front, can Lamar actually come back against them? He's going to have because to. it was not looking good. They were able to actually contain him. On certain drives and force him into sacks, which we never see from Lamar Jackson. We don't see that. 
but he was just rattled. You could see him visually frustrated on the field, and it's just not good because he's he's not the type of team where he can come back from multiple scores no. on a regular basis. You can't depend on that when Marquise Brown's your number one wide receiver because I love him, but he's more of a down-the-field threat than a complete possession wide receiver. Yeah. So having him as your as your number one guy on the outside and Willie Sneed and Devin DuVernay or your other you guys. You need another weapon out you, there. You, you need another weapon to help him out in these kind of situations where he can constantly hit him because Mark Andrews hasn't been a full-time player in his NFL career yet. No. So it's just tough. Yeah, it is tough, man. Hopefully they can bounce back. I mean, they got the Washington football team, so they can definitely get their get the team on the right direction. Exactly. So that, that was our preview from week three of the NFL season. We hope that your team's doing well. I mean, the Patriots are 2-1. and one, Can't really complain. Yes, sir. Looking at week four, we got a beautiful Thursday night matchup, man. Oh it's must-watch television. Brett Ripon. And the 0-3 Broncos go against the winless Adam Gase, Frank Gore-led Jets on Thursday Night Football. It is the quintessential who-cares Thursday Night Football game. I don't even think some Broncos and Jets fans will watch this game. They will forget their team is playing on Thursday and miss the game. The rating is going to be terrible. The game's not going to be very good. No, (laughs) it's going to be rough. I mean... We see we've seen that the Jaguars and Titans always get these Thursday night games, and people are like, "Oh," but I think this might be one of the worst, you know, Thursday especially night games the, on paper. Especially because the Broncos have so many injuries right now. Oh they just God. lost Darrell Casey for the season. They just um, benched Jeff Driscoll, their backup quarterback, after their starting quarterback's out. Jerry Judy left with an injury during the game. Yeah, Cortland Sutton's out for the season. Melvin Gordon's a little banged up. Phil Lindsay's not going to come back on a short week like this. But it, this is crazy. Yeah, this is... I have the New York Jets winning this game. Wow. And I know you physically can't pick Adam Gase. But oh, Adam man. Gase, that Jets defense has been bad. Yep. But not as bad as I thought it would be. And against a undrafted third-string quarterback. Yeah, that's rough. But they should be able to dominate the Lions defense on the ground. This is where I think yeah. the Cardinals missed the opportunity last week against the Lions, not relying on Kenyon Drake more. And I think that the Saints will use Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara heavily, as oh, they yeah. have they're been. Gonna, gonna and I think that they're going to eat against this Lions defense. And I think that just from pace of play, it's going to be close. But I have the Saints bouncing back here, getting a much-needed win. I think that the Lions are probably going to um, win if you're like looking at the spread. I think that they'll be able to cover the spread. Yeah, but I think that the Saints are gonna win a uh, a game that's closer than it should be, but a game that they sh- need to and should win. Yeah, I can't see the Saints going one and three here. Um, I think that this is gonna be a dominant game for Kamara and, and Murray. I feel like the Lions' rush defense is not gonna be able to contain these two guys, and I feel like yeah, the line. I mean, the Lions' offense. I feel like is gonna put up points here, but I feel like the Saints are gonna just dominate time of possession because the Lions, like you said. They're not going to be able to rush the ball. Um, Adrian Peterson, as good as he has looked for his age, I don't think he's going to be able to overcome the Saints' rush defense, who just they pretty much held Aaron Jones in check. I mean, he only had 60 rush, 69 rushing yards. So they're going to be able to just you know make Matthew Stafford beat them, which he, Matthew Stafford could with the weapons he has. But I just can't see the Saints going one and three. I mean, that would be a yeah. I think a hobbled Galladay against Marshawn Lattimore is basically the deciding factor in this game. Yeah. And I think that gives the Saints enough of an edge where Galladay will not eat them alive. Yeah. Um, and I think that it should be good. Um, it should be a game yeah. that the Saints bounce back in. Yep. I, another, I'm going to take the Saints. Another 1 o'clock game. 
the goat meets Justin Herbert, the baby goat. And the Bucks will face the Chargers at 1 o'clock. I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. I'm not super excited for fantasy in this one. You're going to start the players you normally start. You're going to start your Keenan Allen, your Mike you Evans, your Austin Eckler, your Tom Brady. You'll start them. You're going to start those guys. Um, I'm not super excited about like the Josh Kellys and Leonard Fournettes and, no. and Scotty Millers and stuff like that. You can if you need to, but I'm not super excited about them because I just don't think this will be a super high-scoring game, especially with Chris Godwin out. I think both these defenses are very good, but I definitely give the advantage to Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers here. I think that they'll be able to take this game over. It'll, it'll be very similar to last week's game with just like slightly better offense on the other side of the ball compared to the Broncos. Yeah, me too. I'm going to take the Bucs here. Um, they're going to go 3-1. and one. I think, like you said, it's a game that's going to probably be pretty low scoring considering how the defenses have been playing in terms of who you can start. I mean, obviously start the guys like Brady, Evans, Eckler, you know, Allen, all those guys you can start them. But I don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Uh, right now Vegas has it at 45 points. I could definitely see something similar to that um, here, but I'm going to take the Buccaneers to pull this one out and go 3-1. and one. Yeah, I think Vegas is pretty accurate on that one. Yeah, that's accurate. Now this is a, this is a low-key shootout. This is a game that I'm actually really interested in for fantasy. Okay. Jags, Bengals. I yeah. think Burrow fin- can finally get a dub in this one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going with the Bengals here. But Minshew should bounce back from some ugly play last week against the Bengals defense. I'm excited to start a lot of these options. Oh, I can't. If I'm yeah. not super deep at things, I think this is a good get right game for Joe Mixon. Yeah. I think that James Robinson, like we said before, is an every week start. So is Joe Mixon. I think you can play both quarterbacks in two quarterback or one quarterback leagues. I think both of them are solid plays. Play him, yeah. I think that um, you can start AJ Green against um, um, Henderson, the CJ Henderson, the corner for the Jaguars. I, th- I don't scare me at all. Tyler Boyd. He's going to get targets. You're going to want to use him. I think that you can start LaVisca Chenault in your flex if you need to. Mm-hmm. I think that, especially if DJ Chark's out, I think his target share will be safe. Yep. I really like this game to be a low-key shootout. I think that this is going to be pretty fun to watch. Kind of similar to how I was picturing this Miami-Jacksonville game to be last week. Yeah, I agree. Um, two bad defenses, two teams who are going to have to throw the ball a lot here. And I think it's going to be a lot of bounce-back games here. for. I think it's going to be a bounce-back game for Joe Mixon here. It's going to be a game that he needs to play well in. Um, Minshew, I think, a bounce back. He's played well. He just hasn't gotten gotten in space enough. I don't want to talk about it. It's bad. But, um, yeah, like, I think that you can start a lot of pieces this game. All the guys that you mentioned, you can start. um, Right now, Vegas has it as a 48-point over-under. I feel like it's going to be an over. The fact that you think this game, Vegas thinks this game is going to score more points than Tom Brady. True. Is, is pretty good. So yeah. seeing that is interesting to watch. I, I have the Bengals. I'm assuming you do as well. Yeah, I got the Bengals. Joe Burrow's yeah, his first one. We're both on Joe Burrow's bandwagon. Brandon loves Joe Mixon. So yeah. Bengals here. Yep. Vikings-Texans oh, in man. kind of a game where both teams are just fighting to save their seasons. Both teams started 0-3. Yeah. And I just think that the better run game wins. Mm-hmm. I love Deshaun Watson, but I'm going to pick the Vikings in this one. I think that Dalvin Cook will be able to control the game on the ground. I think that the emergence of Justin Jefferson, um, they'll be able to throw the ball when they need to between Jefferson and Thielen. And I just think that the Vikings are going to control this game for the most part. I won't be surprised if Deshaun Watson wins this game, but I'm going to just go with the team that has a slightly better defense and the much better run game. Yeah, um, 
it's honestly this is a game that can go either way for me um i get your point though i feel like dalvin cook is just gonna have a monster week i mean he just had a monster week last week against the titans and then now they're going up against the texans team who can't stop anybody on the ground so he's gonna have a big game here and that could definitely be the deciding factor i want to take deshaun watson in the texans because i feel like I'm, i mean i'm a deshaun watson believer obviously and I feel like he could get it done. But, I mean, if the Vikings are going to control the clock here and run the ball with Dalvin Cook, then it's going to be hard for the Texans to really get on the field and do much. So I think I'm going to take the Vikings. I'm going to agree with you. That's big for you as a big Deshaun Watson fan to, yep. to come over with me on that argument. It's rough, man. Rough Another 1 o'clock game. Have mercy, Russ, man. Seahawks-Dolphins at 1 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. Now, the Seahawks are probably going to be without Chris Carson in this game. So Carlos Hyde is someone that I would actually start as yeah. a uh, low-end RB2. I think that he's going to get enough volume in this one as the Seahawks go up. But the Seahawks are going to air it out to start. They're going to be throwing all over the yard to start, especially if Byron Jones misses a second oh, straight man. game. Good luck for the Dolphins. I mean, Russell but the Wilson's Dolphins gonna... don't scare me for fantasy. They're not going to win this game. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have to throw the ball. The Seahawks secondary doesn't scare me at all. So I'm willing to start your Dolphins. I'm, I'm willing to start Kasicki. I'm willing to start Parker. I'm willing to start um, Fitzpatrick. I'm willing to start Preston Williams or Miles Gaskin if you're in a smidge. If you need to, you can throw one of them in there. Start them, yeah. I think the is. I feel like this is going to be a game again. It's going to be high scoring. I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick might have a lot of garbage time points in this game as well. Um, playing from behind for sure. Yeah, playing from behind for sure. Um, you can you can literally start like any sort of piece from both teams on the offense here. Um, I think that Mike Isecki, he's going to be playing in the SWAT, and the Seahawks have given up the most SWAT yards and catches and touchdowns all season long. So I feel like he's a smash play. I feel like he can finish as the tight end one this week. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I'm picking Seattle, obviously. I mean, Russell Wilson's going to yeah. just – Is there a mercy out. rule in the NFL? <sighs> I mean, they might need one for this game because – I think that if Russ just plays how he's been playing, where he doesn't take his foot off the gas, that they – the Seahawks could literally put up 50, 60 points in this They game. could. Russell Wilson could. I don't think they'll need to. I think they'll be able to win this yeah. game with like 35 points, like four touchdown passes from Wilson and a touchdown for Carlos Hyde or Travis Homer or whatever. Yeah. But I, I'm Russell just, Wilson might not even play the full game because they might just take him out saying we're already blowing them out. I think that – I think Russ will not come out. I think that no Russell – I think Russell will stay in unless it's comp- – I'm literally out of hand, but yeah. I think that Fitzpatrick will keep the score close enough. Yeah, where Russ won't come out. Yeah, but it, it should be fun for um fantasy at least. Absolutely, it's, that's not gonna be a fun game to watch. Forty-four and fifty-four and a half over under. So there you go. Yeah, I, th- I think that that fifty-four is probably like thirty on the Seattle side. But yep. Cowboys Browns. Mm. So the big story in this game is Chubb and Hunt versus the front seven of the Cowboys. Yep. I think that decides the game. Yeah, I I think it's I think that Dak will be able to throw on the secondary as much as he possibly needs to, and I think that Zeke will be able to do what he needs to do. He won't have like a, a monster game against this. He'll have a bounce seven. back game because he kind of had like a a little bit of a disappointing game. But game. I think a lot of people are expecting the Cowboys need this win. Yep, they're expecting the Browns to not be able to keep up if the Cowboys go off. Yep, I think that the Browns win this game. Do you think the wow? I have the Browns winning this game. I think Chubb and Hunt are going to control the game. I think that they're finally getting into a roll of things. They just did stuff against a Washington front seven. I know they lost Chase Young, but it was very impressive for me to see how they were able to run the ball and control the game. And I think they'll be able to do this this week. I think it'll be closer than the game with Washington last week, but I think that the Browns are going to be able to squeak this one out against the Cowboys as Surprise. the Cowboys continue to not take advantage 
of this week division. I think I'm going to take the Cowboys here. I'm going to disagree with you. Um, I feel like the Cowboys. I mean, they they were they were close to like make like sending the game to overtime against the Seahawks. So I mean, they've been competitive throughout their games. I they haven't been able to really finish the games, but I feel like that this is an opportunity for them to do so. Um, you know, Chubb and Hunt, uh, they're going to probably be a huge deciding factor here, but. I feel like Dak Prescott, he's been playing very well, obviously, with all the weapons that he has. And I feel like Zeke's going to be due for a bounce-back game here. I feel like the Cowboys are just going to score more points than the Browns. It's fair. If the Cowboys get hot through the air early, it's going to be hard. But I think that the Browns are going to kill the clock, run the ball well, and keep this game close. And I think in a close game, Dak has shown multiple times this season that in a close game they haven't been able to pull it out at the end yeah. against Seattle and against the Rams beginning in the season so I think the the Browns defense is good enough I think that Miles Garrett will get to him quite a bit especially if Tyron Smith misses again yep and I think that the running game is really just going to decide it for the for the um, Browns as they continue to say over 500 that's fair enough I get your point so Colts Bears at one o'clock mm. Foles is a starter who upgrades the entire Bears offense yep the Colts team is down Pittman, down Campbell, Doyle's limited. Yep. They have two passing options, and they have Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. I have the Bears in this one. I, I think that the Bears are going to start off 4-0, shock the world. I think Nick Foles is going to prove to them why he should be the starting quarterback, and I just think that Rivers isn't going to be able to keep up without his full assortment of weapons. Yeah, um, so Vegas right now has this as a 45-point over-under. I feel like it's going to be under. I feel like this is going to be like a low-scoring game here. Um, I'm actually going to take the Colts here and disagree with you. Um, I just, For me personally, I just can't see the Bears going 4-0. Um, I think the Colts, they're going to be able to, I feel like, run the ball pretty effectively. I mean, the Falcons were able to do that last week, and the Falcons' running game hasn't been very good. So you know, it could be a big day for Jonathan Taylor if they're able to just kind of control the clock. Oh, it's always a big day for Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> so, I just think that the Phillip Rivers is going to have to air it out more than the Colts ideally want to yeah, in the 2025 range, and that usually results in L's for the Colts. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, I, I don't like betting. Um, I don't like uh, endorsing Phillip Rivers when I'm like making a bet like that. But I mean, I, I just feel like that the Colts are going to win this game. I don't know. So, so going on Cardinals Panthers, the Cards. Yep need to use Drake if they want to win this game. Yeah, Drake's he's had a little bit of a slower start to the season, to be honest, and they need to run the ball. I feel like this is the game where Kenyon Drake has this bounce-back game. We thought it would have been last week against the Lions, but he only had like about 75 rushing yards, I believe. Um, yeah, he's been good but not great, but he's been limited. Yeah. Last year when they brought him over for the second half of the season, they were consistently getting him carries. Yep. He was, they were getting him out in space. They were using him effectively, and they haven't so far this season. Yeah. That's why I have the Panthers in this game. Wow. I think that the Panthers' right. offense is slowly coming together, even without Christian McCaffrey. Mike Davis has looked presentably fine. They have three solid wide receivers. They have a decent tight end, and Teddy Bridgewater is a – quarterback that's not going to turn the ball over a ton yeah Kyler Murray has been turning the ball over quite a bit and I think much like Justin Herbert against that defense last week I think that the Panthers defense will be able to take advantage of one of two of the gifts that Kyler Murray is going to throw out and if mm -hmm. Christian Kirk isn't there to pressure the team downfield again I think that it's going to be tough for them to like use it. they're going to double Hopkins as much as they can and Kyler's going to have to beat them by himself. And I'm just a little worried about that. I think the Panthers are going to win this. I don't think it's going to be super high scoring. 
I think it's probably going to be like a 24-21 kind of game. 24, yeah, I can see that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the Panthers are going to come out on top in this one because I don't think the Cardinals are going to take away from Kyler like they have been. It's been all it's been the Kyler show all season. I yeah. think they're not going to be able to like forfeit that to use the running game with the way they need to to win this game. I'm going to take the Cardinals. Um, I feel like – I feel like this is going to be a game. I mean, the Car- the Panthers' defense it's still young. Uh, they're gonna. Sh- I feel like they're gonna struggle against the Cardinals. I feel like this is a bounce back game for Kenyon Drake. I feel like they're gonna be able to run him pretty well. And I don't know who's stopping DeAndre Hopkins on the on the Panthers. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna they'll, take the they'll Cardinals. They'll put like one man on his back and two men in front. Do of whatever him they do. Can whatever they possibly. have to do. So. so yeah, I'm gonna take the Cardinals here. Yeah, the Ravens over Washington. It's my lock of the week. That's my, it's a it's huge my bounce of the week as back well. for the Ravens. I don't see how the Ravens don't put up twenty plus points in the first half. They have to, and they're gonna they're gonna win this game. Washington is not the type of team to come back. I, I think Terry McLaurin is the only person for Washington I'm comfortable starting. If you need to start Gibson, you can because he's slowly getting the work needed. Um, but on the Ravens side of the ball, start all your Ravens. It's it's a it's a beautiful matchup, and I don't think you're gonna be too mad about it. I think the front seven will annoy. Jackson at times during this game, but not enough where he's not. No, their him. offensive line's too good. I agree. I mean, this is my lock of the week as well. I think this is just a bounce back game from Lamar. After that Monday night game, he's gonna want to like prove people, prove to people like, hey, like I won the MVP last year. Like, watch this. And I think it's gonna be a big game for him. And they're gonna, I think, dominate the Washington football team. Yeah, my almost my other almost lock of the week: Rams Giants at four oh five. Yeah, the Rams are a double digit win team and the Giants are going to be a double digit loss team yeah so just the math equation there this it, isn't it's it the Rams are really good at running the ball they've ran the ball more this year than they have in years past under Sean McVay Daryl Henderson looked really good they Malcolm, look great. Malcolm Jack Brown has looked okay Cam yep. Akers has looked good maybe he'll be back this week maybe he won't be I think they're going to arrest him because it's the Giants yep but Jared Goff is going to be able to do whatever he wants against the secondary. He just has to avoid James Bradbury, and he'll be fine. And yeah. The Rams are going to win this game by double-digit points. I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying I'm that. I'm pretty confident um, in that, too. I think that the Rams are as close to a lock as you can get this week if you're not going yeah. to consider the Ravens I mean, or Nick, the Seahawks. I mean, Nick Mullins just let, let up the Giants, so, I mean, Jared Goff's going to do the same. So Yeah. And the reason I'm calling these two more of locks in the Seahawks-Dolphins um, game, the Seahawks game is going to be a slaughter. But Ryan Fitzpatrick has enough offensive firepower to somehow have that 0.1% chance of doing the upset. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones yeah. don't. Yeah, I would feel more comfortable picking the Rams and the Ravens over them. So Chiefs, Patriots, 425. Yep. Mahomes is on another level right now, man. I can't pick against him. I can't either, The dude. fact the Patriots were able to keep up with Seattle a couple weeks back was impressive, but Seattle's yeah. defense is terrible. terrible. The Chiefs' defense is underrated. They are consistently good every single game. They're well-coached. They have athletic linebackers and safeties. Yep. And Chris Jones is a game wrecker. He is. He's not on the same level as Aaron Jones, but he's like the step below. And he just wrecks games every single week. He makes a difference. He's going to give Ham a hard time. They're not going to be able to run the ball as effectively as they did last week against the Raiders. Yep. And I just think that the Patriots aren't going to be able to keep up the way that they were with Seattle a couple of year, weeks back, and it'll kind of just be the same kind of thing where Mahomes is able to throw and Clyde Edwards-Slayer is able to run as much as they want to. Yeah, I can't. the Patriots I can't see winning this game. They're not going to be able to run the ball against the Chiefs because they're going to have to try keeping up with them. They were able to keep up with Seattle, like you mentioned, because Seattle's defense has been awful. They've been giving up points left and right and yards left and right. 
Kansas City's defense has played very underrated. Look what they just did to Lamar on Monday Night Football. They showed, like, hey, like, we're, we're a pretty good defense. And I just don't think Cam and our offense has enough firepower to keep up with Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Hilaire. It's it's just not enough for us. Yeah, I mean, I hate picking against the Patriots as a Patriots fan three weeks in a row. Yeah. But just it's hard to pick based on the football perspective, Seahawks and Chiefs seem like easy games to pick against them. I yeah. Was, I went for it with the Raiders because I thought that they had the formula to do it, but they didn't, they didn't, they didn't stick execute. to that formula. Yeah. They just didn't execute. Yeah, another 425 game. Bills Raiders, like I said before, Gruden, Gruden compared him to John Elway. John man. Elway, That's Josh crazy. Allen's been on another level this year, and after beating the Rams, I could see him flopping realistically against the Raiders, but I'm not gonna pick that. Josh Allen has been playing out of his mind, good. Yeah, and the Raiders secondary, although they looked pretty decent against Cam last week, I mean, and. Breeze the week before yeah. Josh Allen is playing way better as a passer than Cam and Drew Brees is this season I think Josh Allen will be able to make all the throws with or without John Brown Diggs will be able to get open as much as he wants and Devin Singletary has really come along in the running game and I, yeah, think, okay. I think the mm-hmm. way that Burkhead and Sonny Michelle were able to crease the defense I think Singletary will have a big run or two in this game you will and I think that the Bills will be able to win this game I think it'll just be a little uh closer in the scoring than probably Vegas has it. Yeah. Um yeah, Vegas has a 52 and a half uh over under and they have the Bills winning by 3. I'm going to take the Bills here too. Um I feel like that the Raiders defense, I mean, they've been playing pretty well against, you know, you say Cam and Drew Brees, but Josh Allen's on a different level and I think with Josh Allen, the element that he brings to the game just it's going to be hard for them to keep up here and I'm going to take the Bills in this game. Yeah, there's no surprise here that we're picking on Josh Allen this week. You have to. But 49ers-Eagles is a Sunday night game. I'm sure going into the season before all the injuries and stuff, yeah. this seemed like oh, a really man. good choice. But can someone get the Eagles off of prime time right now? No Goddard, oh no God. Rager, no D-Jax, missing three starting offensive linemen. Like, can we just not have them in prime I time? I feel bad for Carson Wentz having to just be you – know, he's going to struggle, I think, in this game as well. And he's, it's going to be on prime time where everybody can see it, so – I'm gonna take the 49ers here, even yeah. with their injuries. I don't I feel even like know they... who's gonna play for the 49ers, and I'm still picking the 49ers. That's so bad. I I know George Kittle's gonna be back, but I don't know from the rest of their long injury list who's gonna play and who's not. It's yeah. I feel like the Eagles just have. I mean, the both teams are injury riddled, but I feel like the Eagles they have shown that they can't capital, they can't overcome the injuries. I feel like the 49ers have shown they can somewhat. The reason so. this isn't a lock is because I think the Eagles front seven is good enough to keep the 49ers running game from tearing this game open so I think it's going to be relatively close and I give the Eagles a chance if Carson Wentz has one of those magical drives at the end to pull it out Yeah, but I'm not confident in it I'm going to still pick the 49ers with Nick Mullins probably under center Yeah, and I think that George Kittle being back will just help Nick Mullins it will. and yep. it'll be pretty good for him Monday Night Football mm-hmm. Packers Falcons we talked about it earlier that the Falcons get a nice treat with the 3-0 Packers <laughs> yep. coming to town Yeah, rough. the Packers are rolling and the Falcons just I don't stand a chance in this game. No. The, the only reason it's not a lock is because if Julio and Russell Gage come back, they could keep up throwing the ball, I guess. But yeah. I, I don't think that the Packers are going to lose this game. They I, think the, I think Aaron Jones is going to be able to run all over them. I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to throw all over them. And I think that the Packers will start 4-0 to begin the season. 
Pat McAfee will have another fun show with Aaron Rodgers after a win yep. on Tuesday next week. And we'll just be talking about how Aaron Rodgers looks so great and how Dan Quinn needs to get fired, which is three things we talked about every single week this season. So far. Every single week, yeah. The Right now, Vegas has the Packers seven and a half point favorites and over under being 58. It's probably going to get up to nine. It, it by probably, like Thursday. By like Thursday, yeah. When we'll see if Devontae, Devontae Adams plays or not too. But even they, they don't even need him. Like They're just going to be able to just stomp the Falcons. Even though the Falcons' offense is good, I just feel like that they're just not going to be able to stop Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones and really keep up. So I'm going to take the Packers here. Going 4-0. and oh. Yeah, I mean, so my unbeaten teams after four weeks would be the Packers, the Chiefs, the Bears, and the um, the Bills, and the Seahawks. Yeah, I honestly can't think of mine off the top of my head, but I feel like it's pretty similar. So that's like five unbeaten teams. Yeah. Started with 32. What team loses first? What team loses first? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, do I, I don't think I have any undefeated teams losing this week. So so probably have to work towards next week, but we'll get to we that next week. next week. But yeah. if I had to guess based off who's undefeated so far, it's the Bears would lose first the bears i feel like are just like a fraud like undefeated team well i, I mean they had three games handed to them that's true um well two games handed to them they they came back last week but yeah i i think that the the bears are kind of like a faulty four now but they're a team that i didn't think nick Foles was going to get going this early so i would have projected them to do slightly better record wise if i knew that yeah so all right how about we get to like the waiver wire um yeah you can hit that let's hit it It's the waiver wire pickups of the week. Waiver wires pickups of the week. So, uh, for me, I said it earlier. My my number number one priority is Brett Ripon. Yeah, Brett Ripon. <laughs> Start now, him Thursday night. My number one priority. I said it earlier in the show was Jeff Wilson. Um, with the 49ers injuries right now at the running back position, whoever's back there is going to produce fantasy points, and Jeff Wilson was able to do that in the game against the Giants, and I feel like that he's just, I, he's my number one priority right now for waivers. Yeah, for, for guys that are out there in the majority of leagues, I would 100% pick up Jeff Wilson. I do think that a lot of people slept on Daryl Henderson this past week and didn't he pick might him be up still out the there, big yeah. game. He might still be out there in a decent amount of your home leagues and stuff. Uh, I think that he's someone that's going to consistently have a role the rest of the season, even if he's not getting the carries and yardage total that he's getting right now with Cam Akers out. Yep. So he's someone that if he's out there, I would go hard to get him. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would definitely try making the move for him. I mean, he looked great against the Bills. And if he's still out there, go get him because he looks great. He looks like the best running back right now on the team. Yeah, in terms of the running back position, it's pretty slow because we kind of had like the uh, the big pickups last week with the injuries, including Devontae Freeman and Deion Lewis and Mike Davis. Uh, but look into the wide receiver position. Justin Jefferson. He's probably number one if right he was, now. If he was drafted, he probably got cut. Yeah. Unless you're in a deeper league or dynasty, obviously. Yep. But if he's out there, he's someone that I think is going to have flex appeal in good matchups, and I think that he's someone that you can throw into your starting lineup most weeks yep. um, if you need a smart start. So I think he's someone that is going to continually get build a target share and rapport with Kirk Cousins and be worth having on your bench. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, he, he looked great too, and I feel like that he's earned himself a role in this offense as the number two wide receiver outside of Adam Thielen. So, you know, some weeks you're going to be able to flex him. So. Absolutely would probably put him at the number one uh, top of my priority list. Um, looking at other teams here, 
Let's see. Um, now, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk's another one. Now, a lot of people, say. I think, are going to freak out and uh, go and get Brandon Ayuk after the big game. I think if you need to start this week, I think that he'll be good against the Eagles on Throw Sunday Night Football. Yep. But Debo Samuel is ahead of schedule on his coming back party. And with George Kittle coming back this week and Debo Samuel coming back in the next coming weeks, I don't think Brandon Ayuk is a long-term fix for fantasy. No. So he's someone that if you need a spot start this week, he's someone you can grab. But I'm more excited for a guy like T. Higgins because mm-hmm. he played more snaps than both um, Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green this past yeah, week at wide receiver. Yep. So his usage is coming up, and the rapport with Burrow will come. So he's someone that if you're a contender and don't need the spot start, I'd stash T. Higgins. But if you need a spot start this week, I'd pick Ayuk. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, both guys I feel like are going to be good pickups. Um, I've, I, Your boy, Cole Beasley, he's another guy you could possibly pick up. Yes, he had sir. a good game. Especially if John Brown misses. He's, a, he's Brown. a very solid flex in PPR format. Yeah, and if in Dynasty, if Gabriel Davis is out there, like – I think in, I would make a way. In smart clean. dynasty leagues, Gabriel Davis has been owned already. Like, I picked him up in ours. And he's I was like, a fourth-round oh. pick, really good guy. If I had more room on my bench, I'd own him. But like, he made, like, a couple, like, really nice catches, too. So, yeah. he definitely has some, like, upside for, like, later down the road. He was the um, most targeted Bills receiver during that game at yeah. the beginning. So, he's someone that, if John Brown's missing, he'll be someone that you can possibly fl- throw yep. out there. I think in redraft, I would kind of just – hold off I wouldn't, because yeah, I think I would that wait. he's the fourth option at best um, most weeks. Chase Claypool is a guy uh, that with Deontay Johnson out, I would aggressively go after. I mm-hmm. think that whether he's the two or the three, he's going to have value in this Pittsburgh offense. I was going to say James Washington too. You can target him if he's out there. Yeah, I, w- I don't hate that, but I would prioritize Claypool Maple over Trunk. Washington. I get it. Yeah, he's he's just so big and so fast that I don't see how the Pittsburgh coaches let James Washington consistently on the field over him. Yep. And he's looked really good so far, yards per target and everything like that's been high. So I think he's a good like um, bench stash for your flex. I think that um, if you need a pinch, you can grab a Traquan Smith I was in the bounce back game Smith. against yep. Detroit. He wasn't really used much this week, and Emmanuel Sanders kind of emerged, but I think that uh, Traquan <clears throat> Smith is someone that – you might be able to get a low-end flex out of in a game where uh, the Saints are probably going to be in control. Yeah, I was going to say Traquan Smith. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders kind of had like a pretty good game there, but I feel like that he we talked about him too, like heading into the season, how he was kind of getting hyped up in camp, and he's made a couple of good plays. So Traquan Smith would be a guy that I'd be willing to definitely pick up there. Now, in terms of defenses, a lot of people are going to prioritize the Denver defense against the Jets. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a mistake. I think the like I think the Jets are going to win this game. But yeah. what really matters is the injuries. Mm. Denver's down multiple cornerbacks. They just Vaughn lost Jarrell Casey for the year. Von Miller's out. Their defense isn't as good as it was to start the season. Yeah. So I don't think that the defense is going to get a lot of turnover. Sam Darnold might give them one. So they might be okay, but I'm more excited about the Los Angeles Rams oh, yeah. against the New York Giants. Um, if they're out there in your league, I think that they're someone I'd prioritize because Daniel Jones is going to turn it over yeah, one Daniel way Jones. or the other, whether it's an interception or a fumble, because he needs more time to find an open receiver. Um, oh, so God. they're they're a defense that I'm pretty excited yeah, about. Yeah, Aaron Donald's but I have. Oh, man. just It's, it's going to be like cake work for him. Otherwise, there's a lot of one-sided games this week that the defenses are already pretty heavily owned. Yep. Um, so I think that you kind of just start your defense if you have a solid one. But if not, I think like the biggest thing to cover is kind of just the uh, the Titans. 
Yeah. So the Titans had a couple players test positive for COVID. Yeah. So there's, it's possible that the Titans um, don't end up playing this week. That's why we didn't mention the Titans-Pittsburgh game. Um, so if you have Titans or Pittsburgh players, I'd probably start to figure out who you're going to start in place right of those guys. Right now, uh, the NFL is planning on ha- playing. We'll see what happens throughout the week. And I feel like that's going to probably change. Yeah, I and feel their, like it's their backup plan is to play Monday. So we'll see what happens throughout the week. It's something to monitor, but – if you have Steelers and Titans players, just you have to keep an eye out and see what the NFL yeah, like, says about like that the game. Like the the big guys, like the Derrick Henrys and stuff, you're gonna keep them in your lineup until you know they're not playing. But some of the fringe guys, if you're starting like yeah. Corey Davis or um, Eric Ebron or something like that, find someone else to stream. This yeah, week, just you to be safe. Just to be safe because you don't know. We don't know what's gonna happen when we get to like Friday or Saturday when the game is scheduled for the next day. So. Exactly. I think with quarterback streamers, I like Joe Burrow and Gardner Minshew yeah, this week against that. each other. Yep. I think that Nick Foles is available on a lot of people's wires. I think he'll be a pretty good, decent play against the Colts. Yep. Um, and I think that if you're looking at Nick Mullins against that Eagles secondary, he might be decent. You could, yeah. Uh, I think that they're going to score some points there. And then Sam Darnold. Like I'm telling you not to pick up this Broncos defense because I think Sam Darnold is going to throw a touchdown or two and be decent. I'm not – he's a low-end play, but if you're in a two-quarterback league sure and you start, yeah. he's probably on your waiver wire. So go get I, him, I would yeah. go pick him up and just throw him in if you need him because the Barrios. is not that bad. <laughs> yeah, he'll throw to Braxton Barrios a lot if that entices you at all. Yeah. Um, Kirk Cousins is someone that got dropped in a lot of leagues. He'll be decent um, play this week. He had a pretty good week last week. Yep. So, But – just looking at some streamers and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of a slow waiver wire week. There's not any like must pickups. Mo Ali Cox is probably like the biggest pickup for me if he didn't get picked up. Last yeah, that's week. true. Him, you gotta get um, him because he's gonna be used a lot. But yep. that's all we got for you guys today. Uh, we wish you guys the best of luck, and we'll see you guys next week. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.